Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking sports locally and nationally. Join the conversation on our social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome back for another edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What is going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Kenem. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He is a co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. And also joining us in studio, he is your coach. He is my coach. He is the coach. Coach Duffy. I feel a lot better than any Ohio State fan right now. <laughs> yeah, that's a little crazy and heartbreaking, uh, the news breaking that Ohio State and Michigan is off this week. Yep. But fear not, we have more sports stories to break down, so we'll get into that and so much more on this edition of the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. So join in the conversation on social media. You can find all our accounts at OchoDuroParlayHour.com. Join in on Facebook. Join in on Twitter. Join in on Instagram. Join in on Podchaser. Drop a five-star review and always remember to use the hashtag ODPH. So if we're talking sports, we definitely got to kick off with our NFL recap of our locks and leaps picks. So, Pad... Take it away. Yeah, so I'm going to start with my lock. I chose the Kansas City Chiefs to defeat the Denver Broncos, and they narrowly did. This was a lot closer than I thought it was going to be. Uh, Kansas City won by the final score of 22-16. to Patrick Mahomes, 25-40 of 40 for 318 yards passing, just one touchdown this week. Uh, Drew Locke, on the other hand, 15-28 of 28 for 151 yards passing, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Coach, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, this game just didn't make a lot of sense from the standpoint of, I mean, Kansas City comes off of this great performance against uh, Tampa Bay the week before where they just absolutely, you know, dominated until Tampa Bay scored some late, you know, touchdowns that unfortunately backdoor covered for people that had taken the Chiefs in the over. But um, they, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a division game. So, you know, like you – always say Ken it's gonna they're gonna play each other tough and, mm-hmm. and they're gonna have a hard time it's just you know to see the Kansas City offense that was you know the week before just on fire I mean mm-hmm. Tyreek Hill alone you know to abruptly see them in this game just almost come you know at a standstill it's pretty interesting I mean that's got to make you know Vic Vangio feel a lot better you know about his defense knowing the fact that they can limit Kansas City's offense that way yeah, Pat? Yeah, no, definitely a good building moment for the Denver Broncos. Obviously, I took this game from not figuring Drew Locke wasn't going to be playing in this game. Mm-hmm. I believe what was it was uh, Shermer's kid was had been signed by them, to, so I figured he'd be playing quarterback. Uh, but still, good game for Denver. You know, Melvin Gordon, uh, season-high rushing yards, 15 carries, 131 yards rushing, no touchdowns. So, you know, good game for Denver. You know, it's a loss, but it's not a bad loss per se because, hey, let's face it. You look at what Kansas City did the week prior against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and you held the you you held them in check, so to speak. You know, up until the second half when the uh, Kansas City got ten points in the third quarter. But you know, on the flip side for Kansas City, it, you know, it's a good building game. It's it's not your best performance of all time, but you know, you need these games to show, hey, we're not just going to steamroll everybody every week and have you know five hundred yards in the f- first quarter. It's something that Kansas City knew they were going to have to expect because, as I as I say and Coach touched upon too, right? Anytime it's division, your rivals will step up to try facing you. It's right. just the whole having pride in your team and wanting to be the best you can and having bragging rights. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's sports one hundred and one. Yeah, oh yeah. So you knew that Denver, even though they have not had the greatest of seasons, no, will definitely not want to sit there and get steamrolled by Patrick Mahomes and company. And on the flip side, I'm not saying this was a trap game for Mahomes and company, but 
Uh-huh. I bet you they probably went in there thinking we're just going to absolutely annihilate them and maybe did not give 100%. I'm not saying they faked it, but right. it's just you sometimes see those games on the schedule and think, okay, this is going to be an easy one until you get punched in the mouth. This is, seems like that type of game to me. That for Denver, you got some building blocks to work off of. Is it going to be something you're going to be able to fix overnight? No. No, probably not. No, but for the Chiefs, they have definitely done everything they can do. Yeah. They're sitting pretty now in the AFC uh, divisional race because now it's to get the number one seed locked up. Yeah. And they are definitely in the driver's seat, in my opinion, for that. Mm-hmm. I think their competition is going to have a little tougher schedule. So yep. Kansas City just needs to get that home field advantage locked up, and then I think then they can finally take the foot off the brake. Yep. So that being said, yeah, switch over to my leap. I chose the Houston Texans to defeat the Indianapolis Colts, and I was wrong on that. Uh, Indianapolis won by the final score of 26 to 20. Phillip Rivers, 27 of 35 for 285 yards passing, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Deshaun Watson, 26 of 38 for 341 yards passing, zero touchdowns, one interception. Coach, your thoughts? I mean, heartbreaking loss. Yeah. <laughs> How tough is that? I mean, Deshaun Watson, you know, obviously playing at a pretty high caliber to lose Will Fuller the week before to, and, you know, obviously no Hopkins. Uh, David Johnson didn't play in this game either. So you're literally down to your third and fourth string wide receivers from uh-huh. what you had the year before. Yeah. I mean, they cut a guy right before. It, was, it wasn't Stills, right? But they cut somebody. Uh, it was the second. It was the second wide receiver, not Stills. But they cut somebody right before this game, and then Kevin Cote steps up. Now your number one wide receiver, who was your fourth. Mm. You know, I mean, so you're playing with a ragtag group, and then I mean to to be competitive in this game up until a bad snap. That's tough. Well, yeah, no, definitely. You know, and I I did like that moment on the sidelines where T. Y. Hilton went over and kind of consoled uh, Deshaun Watson, who was very distraught and very upset over the loss. You know, that was that was a cool moment between the two. But you know, definitely, you know, should have seen it coming. Should have thought with my head a little bit. You know, especially with Houston being a little hurt and good win for Indianapolis. You know, especially with that AFC South, it's just so contentious and nobody wants to take the reins on it. You know, it's hard to figure out. It's a weird team to figure out. That being in Indianapolis. Some weeks they look amazing and Super Bowl contenders, and some they just look like they don't even know what they're doing on the field. Yeah. Inconsistency is going to haunt them, and this game could, should have definitely gone Houston's way. Houston, though, is a directionless team that I think they're going to need some time in this offseason to really find their way again and see what they want to do moving forward. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, obviously, you fire your head coach. You've got the interim tag on Romeo Cornell. you got to think that he's not the guy. No. You know, I mean, you just – it doesn't feel that way. I mean, obviously, he's up there in age. Um, you have a young team, so you got to kind of figure out what you want to do there. You've invested in Deshaun Watson to be the franchise quarterback. You have, um, you know, J.J. Uh, Watt on the uh, other side of the ball mm-hmm. um, that, you know, you got to kind of figure out what's what you're going to do with that corner piece of your franchise because Father Time's obviously catching up there. He has stated that he doesn't want to go through a rebuild and would like to play for a contender at some point. So, that's something that you got to think of this offseason. So, yeah, it's going to be a, a big state of flex. You know, I mean, you fired your head coach and general manager. Yeah. So it's like you literally – you do. You have to start from scratch. So And they're going to definitely need to take the time to do it because now they're sitting there looking up at the two top teams in that AFC South. Jacksonville is a mess in its own right, mm-hmm. so I don't even consider them in the conversation currently. But for Tennessee and Indianapolis, that's the cream of the crop right now. And for Indianapolis, this was a big win and a much-needed win to stay in that conversation for playoffs. 
that it's not an easy road for them to lock in a wild card or that AFC South. I think that they're going to be a team that if they get in there, they could make some noise, but then again, it comes down to the inconsistency of play. Can they make a stretch run where they're bending but not breaking? Right. Ultimately, I think they'll find their way. I think they'll just be one of those sneaky teams that get in there, especially with that extra playoff team. Uh-huh. So anything is possible with that, and for Houston – uh, it's heartbreaking, but this yeah. whole season has just been a mess. So I'm sure they're happy to get to Week 17. I mean, the, yeah, yeah the, I mean the Colts got to figure out something here because at eight and four, this is a big win. You know, you're up against it right now because your division is red hot. Um, you know, you got two really good teams inside your division. You're chasing a wild card spot, so they got to figure out something sooner than later. Yeah, absolutely. So that being said, Coach, we are going to your locks and leaps, and you went with the one that I think everybody thought was going to be easy money. Yeah. I really thought that Vegas was going to come in, do what they were going to do to the Jets. Sure. Thought it would have been a landslide. But yet, what did we get, Pad? Uh, we got a hell of a game that for a minute there, it looked like the Jets were going to win the final game, win the game. But they did not. Uh, Vegas won by the final score of 31 to 28, not pulling ahead until, you know, a last minute second Hail Mary uh, with five seconds left uh, to win, like I said, 31 28. Uh, Derek Carr, 28 of 47 for 381 yards passing, three touchdowns, one interception. Sam Darnold, 14 of 23 for 186 yards passing, two touchdowns, one interception. Coach, so during the last game, play of the game, do you have you ever in your coaching experience called a full all-out blitz? Well, I mean, like, at, at this point, like, so it's funny because, I mean, on the flip side of it, you know, you, it's a kind of a tale of two games here because, like, I, you know, I watched the Giants afterwards, and, you know, I can just go based off that Cincinnati game too where um, in previous experience where you're watching guys do the prevent defense, and it's like you have to find this fine line of, you know, do I have enough in pass coverage and am I pressuring the quarterback enough? Because, you know, you've seen times where, you know, defenses will uh, quote unquote prevent defense. They'll drop, you know, eight back, only rush three, give the quarterback time and space. And all of a sudden, you know, they dink and dime their way down a field and, and win a game, you know, then on the flip side of it, you know, we've seen this in the past where Greg Williams, when he was in new Orleans, you know, in the, um, NFC divisional round against the 49ers, uh, call you know a a zero blitz Mm. send everybody after playing two plays of prevent defense and then lose that game in new orleans so it's like you know and i I mean from the Giants' standpoint you know last week against cincinnati you know you watch the giants kind of you know uh sit back on their heels you know and let cincinnati slowly you know get their way back in and into it and still eventually that strip sacks uh that they were able to recover the fumble so i mean would I have called it? No. But like when I, you know, am playing like Madden or something, like do I try to pressure the quarterback when, I, you know, it's in a passing situation? You know, absolutely. Yeah. And if you don't have, you know, an elite pass rushing uh, team or you don't feel like you can get to the quarterback by rushing four, you know, five, send six, you know, but you can't, you know, in a, in a game situation like that with, you know, under what it was like under 25 seconds it was 12 seconds yeah with under 15 seconds left to go you know you can't not not have and if i'm not mistaken no timeouts yeah no no timeout yeah i knew they had no timeouts but you can't not have a safety over the top yeah that is literally just the most 
I, like, I understand the rolling of the dice and trying to pressure and blitz the quarterback, to, but to have no safety over the top yeah. with 12 seconds left and no timeout, I mean, had that ball been caught in him or had the, you know, if maybe they ran a different play because the safety was over the top and he gets tackled at the four-yard line, this game's done. Mm-hmm. And yeah. instead, you know, it was a, a beautifully thrown ball by Derek Carr. The blitz didn't even get there. And no, touchdown. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, just a terrible play call from Greg Williams, the now former defensive coordinator uh, with the New York Jets. A terrible play call just because, you know, they've been getting torched in the receiving game all game long. Uh, Darren Waller, what is that? Waller? Yeah, Waller, you know, yep. absolutely burned the shit out of him. 13 catches for 200 yards, uh, two touchdowns, averaged 15.4 yards per catch. You know, just absolutely torching the shit out of it. And I get that, you know, Greg Williams, you know, might like to call more blitzes than is, is normal. That might be kind of one of his go-to moves maybe. But that might have worked when you were with New Orleans. But the New Orleans defenses you had then and the New York Jets defenses you ha- defense you had, night and goddamn day. they You were getting torched the entire game. So for you to call a, a total blitz on the last play of the game, when I'm sitting there watching, because you know I was out watching the games, and this was one of the games on the TV. I'm sitting there going, "All right, you know, rush two or three, drop everybody," because mm. you knew what was coming. Twelve seconds left, you know, unless they go to the sides, you knew they were going deep, and they blitzed. They went blitz. I was like, "Okay, interesting choice." And then you know, the guy who caught the game-winning touchdown, former track star, he got burned on that aspect. Their play calling during that last whole series was just. Little different for my liking. Mm-hmm. I know that everybody was saying that the whole tank for Trevor movement was in effect for this, and maybe, maybe not. I mean, the fans were cheer. I saw a video of Jets fans cheering that they lost. Oh yeah. Well, at this stage, your team cannot go anywhere but up, and Trevor Lawrence can turn a franchise around. He's that good of a prospect mm-hmm. that, barring any colossal collapse, he's going to be a Pro Bowl quarterback for years to come, no matter yeah. what team he winds up on. Sure, but. For the Jets, this was a game that you should have snuck out. Mm-hmm. You should have held on to. Mm-hmm. The fact that you were still in this game and it had the lead going late. Oh, yeah. When Derek Carr threw for almost 400 yards and three touchdowns yep. on you. Yep. The fact that you're still in this game, you need to close. And why Adam Gates did not follow Greg Williams out the door, it would be on me. Like, if he is still employed after the last Monday of the regular season. Mm-hmm something's wrong. We'll say, yeah, there's something going on just because the the play's been abysmal. There's there's nothing going on. Now I realize, you know, it's nothing to write home about. You know, their leading rusher, Frank Gore, went down on, like, the second play of the game. Mm-hmm. You know, so, you know, their leading rusher was Ty Johnson, 22 carries, 104 yards. But, you know, there's just been nothing going on. And, no, it doesn't even attempt, look like he's attempting to get a spark and get him to play. Yeah. They've mailed it in on him completely, and you can tell. Well, I mean, this is embarrassing on both standpoints because, I mean, at you know, uh, to let your head, you know, your your defensive coordinator, who I mean, I get, you know, Gase is quote unquote the offensive guru, but obviously to have this much contention between you and your defensive coordinator, where mm-hmm. you know you're in the media, and yeah, it's New York, so the media obviously the noise is louder, but to have this much contention in the room and and disrespect and and you know jabs back and forth it's like you know on the flip side of it you see the giants and joe judge and you know the fallout that he had with mark colombo you know which we really didn't touch on in the show but i mean you know you had your uh offensive line coach you know who had a disagreement with the head coach sure you know what the head coach do 
yeah, you're gone. gone. You know, I mean, and this is a guy that Jason Garrett had worked on in Dallas with for over, you know, five plus years. There was a rapport there, and Joe Judge, pff, no, none of this. You're not on my watch. You know, so it just goes to show, you know, that obviously Gase doesn't have a temperature in the room. Um, I mean, even look, you know, look, you know, you look in head coaching positions where you know uh, there's been turmoil uh, underneath in coordinator positions, and you know, head coaches just kind of let it go by, and it those head coaches don't have jobs now. Yeah. You know, I mean, so yeah. this is just a testament of to me. You know, yeah, did did uh, Greg Williams deserve to get fired? You know, absolutely. Is that you know an egregious call with 12 seconds left to go and, and, and up a, up uh late in the game yeah i mean does it certainly look like a tank yeah should the nfl investigate i mean you might want to because that's pretty embarrassing of a look on yeah. your league i mean statistic i mean when you crunch the numbers and you look and you analyze and you break things down as much as the nfl is you know and you hear the fact that next gen stats say you know the nf that this play has never been called in this type of situation other than one time before you know with greg williams in new orleans right um it just goes to show that obviously there might be a track record there of, of you know him willing to do this type of stuff to uh sabotage himself and and the team that he's on so I, I don't know I, I but to me again it's it the the Jets are a mess I I, I can't believe you know that uh, that Gay still has a position as a head coach yeah, you know I mean this is no leader of men you know um, and then I don't know if you guys saw too uh, Boom uh, Boomer was on his radio show I saw the text you sent yeah I sent it yeah so uh, Boomer was talking about Bill Cowher has been you know in the studio CBS allegedly kind of hinting at you know, taking over the Jets job that he would be interested if they call came calling. His wife's a Jets fan. Uh, you know, obviously he's already said that he's fond of New York. So it's like, that'd be pretty interesting. Pad, what's your take on that? Because I, I got a good rant for this one. No, you go ahead. All right. I understand he's still a name, but how long has he been out of the game? At least a decade of oh, it's been. So we were talking about this at the at my office. Um, it's been about, it's since 05. Right. So 15 years. So 15 years since you've been in the grind of being an NFL head coach. It's one thing to sit there and, and commentate on Sundays and analyze games. He is great at it. Don't get me wrong. But we have seen this happen in the past where coaches have left the booth to come back after an extended amount of time. And not even just the booth, just you know, from other positions. You look at Joe Gibbs. Yeah, exactly. That's where I was going to go with. You look at when Joe Gibbs came back to try saving the Redskins franchise and look how that failed out. And then you take a look at now Gruden and how long has it taken for him to get back his groove? I mean, I I guess it's kind of it's an interesting thing because Cowher that year that they retired that he retired, they still went eight and eight. I feel like he still had a good temperature for the room. Um yeah, I don't know. I mean, it was difficult with the Tom Coughlin situation with the Giants because you can just tell he lost touch. Mm. So, you know, maybe has Cowher kind of eased his, you know, from the chin, you know, persona. Right. You know, will he, he be able to, you know, especially if he comes in and, you know, every the you know all the things play out the way that Jets fans want and, you know, all of a sudden Trevor Lawrence comes in, mm. you know, is that – you know, something that a situation where, you know, he wants a young quarterback to be on the team, you know, I mean, so, uh, yeah, I, I would have my doubts. I know I certainly, if I'm a Jets fan, don't want, you know, the name that's probably going to be associated to a lot of teams, which is going to be Harbaugh yeah. out of Michigan. Um, that I don't want. <laughs> yeah, no, but nobody I mean, should want him right now. Yeah. 
But you don't know what's going to happen in that in that coaching carousel. I mean, that's the one thing I keep on screaming. If the Jets were smart, they go get Benemy out of Kansas City and get him to work with him because you saw we could do with Patrick Mahomes. You need to get something to spark your offense. Albeit though, he'd have to do a lot of work on his defensive end too. Mm-hmm. But to get Cower out of the booth and have him come back, like I, it, it would be a great Cinderella story. But at the same time, it'd take a goddamn miracle to get that team anything because there's no like we said before, we've said multiple times, Trevor Lawrence can declare for the NFL this year. There's no guarantee that he will, and even if he does. He could pull an Eli Manning and go, yeah, fuck that. I'm not going to the Jets. Right. Yeah, I mean, there's so many variables that go on there that I don't know what the Jets, what the right or wrong answer is. I really don't. No, the right answer is fire Adam Gase. Well, that one is the <laughs> given. That, right. That's your lock. Your leap is you're going to get cower. But even at this stage, can he really turn that franchise around? In, well, can, this, can he turn it around if he's given the, the right amount of time? Well, that's the thing. But how long are you going to give him? Yeah, you got to give him a and while. Is he, is he going to just get back in the swing of things and then maybe say, you know what, I'm not going to renew my contract, I'm out? I mean, it just you don't know the culture of the team that you're going to walk into. Well, no. I mean, you also don't know. I mean, they fired their general manager mid-year, too. So, I mean, that's a whole thing, too. So yeah. It's a whole – you know, I mean, when you it, – it it's just such a dynamic when you fire – your general manager and your head coach, you are literally breaking your franchise down to the proverbial, you know, foundation. Yeah. Because I mean, do you bring your head coach in to then, you know, have your uh, your general manager work after? Because I mean, it's just like Bill Par Bill Parcells used to say when he was with the Cowboys, mm-hmm. he wants to do the grocery shopping and do the cooking. Yeah. And he couldn't do that in Dallas because you had Jerry Jones, you know, as the owner slash general manager who was doing the shopping and forcing bill parcells to do the cooking so it's like do you bring your general manager and first then find your head coach because will cower want that i mean are you going to find somebody that he's willing to work with considering he's been out of the league for the last 15 years um or do you uh you know go and, and get uh, a general manager who you know might have a relationship with the coaching staff you know the the hot name right now is the the guy out of new england the assistant mm-hmm. uh general manager right now I, I don't know his name but he's very hot right now i know when the giants were talking about firing uh Gettleman. Gettleman, that he was the name that was going to be tagged to that because of obviously his relationship with um, Joe Judge. So, you know, will that be something that the Jets will want to do, you know, try and, and purge away from the New England franchise? Possibly. But, again, it just comes with, you know, what are you looking to do? Are you trying to get a head coach in place first or a general manager? And that's the same thing for a previous with Houston. Yeah. What are you looking to do first? Are you trying to get your franchise and your and your your, your pieces together or are you trying to get a head coach and then work your way around that it's a tough line to walk so for the jets who knows i mean that's the scary thing about it that there is no light at the end of the tunnel right now should they go out and get a gm first in my opinion they should i think they yeah should I, I mean honestly the the way that it works best is unless you are bringing in the guy to do both yeah then you got to get a, a general manager first and then let him find the head coach yeah you're gonna have to do that first John Dorsey, I would think too, uh, formerly from Cleveland. I don't know where he's at right now, but I mean, he's not. He doesn't have a job right now. Right, he so. was. Fi- yeah, but I mean, look. Yeah, did he do a good job in Cleveland? Sure, but I mean, is he the right fit? I don't know because those Cleveland teams weren't great under him. No, you know, no. But no. then again, it was also coaching too. Though. Sure. So I mean, you got to have the one-two combo. But like I said, he did wonders in Kansas City, making that into a monster. He's got Cleveland looking respectable. I think he'd be a good fit for the GM position in New York. But we'll have to wait and see. But for them, the Jets offseason is getting closer. The Raiders are looking playoffs. But still, we have to talk about another team out west. 
that is the Los Angeles Rams. Now, Coach, this was your leap and my leap, but we took Arizona. Mm-hmm. But the Rams decided to say, uh-uh, not today. Pad? Yeah, the, the Rams won by the final score of 38-28. to Jared Goff, 37-47 to for 351 yards passing. One touchdown, no interceptions. Kyler Murray, 21-39 of for 173 yards passing. Three touchdowns, one interception. Your thoughts? I just, this is a young Cardinal team that is still learning how to win. And not to say that Cliff Kingsbury is not doing a decent job at head coaching. I just, maybe he's more of a coordinator than he is a head coach. That's just where my standpoint is. I mean, I don't know if he has, yeah, he's got the the je ne sais quoi, the moxie, you know, to be a head coach, you know, the swagger. But, I mean, can he really be able to be, you know, a manager of both sides of the ball um, without having to have just the sole focus on offense? Because, you know, it's kind of a common theme here, you know, with these guys that are quote-unquote specialty guys. You know, they lose sight of one aspect of the game, and that's where, you know, a team is kind of its weakest, and that's what's happening here in Arizona. He, you know, is obviously uh, Kingsbury is known as an offensive guy from his days at Texas Tech. Um, so his offense is great, you know, 28 points. They probably are averaging mid-20s all year. Mm. Uh, Kyler Murray, who people obviously were sold on going into the draft, uh, you know, still had questions afterwards, though, has looked like a first pick. He's looked, like the, he's looked like the guy. You know, Andre, obviously they, they are uh, optimizing their wide receiver core, and, I mean, they're getting something out of Kenyon Drake, who, you know, was kind of an afterthought in that trade with Miami. Mm-hmm. You know I mean? So great pieces offensively, but then you look on the defensive side of the ball in this Rams team that looked terribly the last few weeks offensively. I mean, yeah, they've been decently putting up points, but, I mean, their run game has been atrocious. I had Daryl Henderson on my fantasy team. I saw that game against Tampa Bay. They were terrible. Daryl Henderson, three carries, 49 yards. Yeah, they were awful. They couldn't run the ball for shit. Robert Woods and Cooper Cup were the only ones offensively doing anything. And now, you know, you see they hung 38 points on them. It's like, you know, maybe the Rams are back. This this to me just because I uh, they kept cutting into this game when I was watching the Patriots game. This game seemed like you know the NBA All Star game where like defense optional if you really want to do it. Offense, yeah, hell yeah, just because it was very back and forth and just absolutely bonkers, you know. And it, and it's funny because you you look at Jared Goff, three hundred fifty one yards passing. Their leading receiver was Robert Woods with eighty five yards. So it's like okay, yeah, Goff had a great game, but like you look at the other numbers, it's just like in both sides, it's like. Nobody could really break away. Nobody had a burnout of a game. It's just, you know, back and forth, you know, like a boxing match. Well, you knew there was going to be divisions, and like we say, and I, I feel like a broken record, but it's the truth, though. Your rivals you get up for. The Rams needed this win, in my opinion, because had the Cardinals got the win, the Rams would have been 7-5. and five. Mm-hmm. The Cardinals would have been 7-6. and six. Or no, seven and I think they've been seven and five as well. Yeah. So this was a much needed game for the playoffs to see what you had. Jared Goff has been here before, but like I say, the inconsistency with him is huge. Mm-hmm. But there's a big X factor that I saw with this game that if I am Arizona, I might want to just keep an eye on. Mm-hmm. Not 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 hit the panic button just yet. Kyler Murray ran for only fifteen yards. Yep. Sure. And he had been averaging, what, well over 50 before. Sure. So if he's forced to get into a shootout, now granted he has one of the biggest arsenals in there in DeAndre Hopkins, 
is he going to be able to hang with some of the other quarterbacks in a shootout in that NFC going into the playoffs? I mean, the big, I guess the thing for me is, was this scheme or was this game? You know, yeah. or was this, you know, just the way that the game dictated it? I mean, obviously with a guy who is a running quarterback, you know, he, he looks, you know, he has that ability, but you know, you, you ask any head coach, that's it. That's a secondary. Oh, thing, sure, sure. You know, I mean, so I think it was probably more the Rams' scheme of keeping him, you know, in the mm-hmm. pocket. You know, especially, I mean, God, you look at the Giants game against the Seahawks. I mean, they really limited, you know, Russell Wilson's ability to be creative in the pocket, and that's what you got to do with these kind of, uh, you know, these quarterbacks who have this escape ability. Is you have to limit their ability to get outside and stretch the field and stretch plays. And, you know, I would say that the Rams probably took that into account, and that was their game plan. No, I, I guarantee you the Rams definitely took into account. Let's contain Kyler Murray. Let's keep him from running. And then let's try and have him beat us over the top with their with their passing game. Because, the, the, you know, uh, Rams have got a pretty good defense, and their secondary is pretty good, too. So, oh, yeah. You know, you got to figure, they're like, all right, we'll keep him contained. We'll keep him, uh, you know, from running all over us. But, you know, let's just have him try and beat us over the top because we know we can contend with that. Well, it's a smart move by the Rams to do. And like I say, if they weren't so inconsistent, they might be running away with this division. Sure. But even with four losses, they had four very bad losses, especially to an egregious Miami team that lives and dies on their defense. That being said, this was a huge win for them. And for Arizona, you have to rebound very quickly. (laughs) Hopefully not. Well, I know they got up against (laughs) it, but but for them – they're on the outside looking in at that wild card now. Yeah. Well, you know, like, I mean, the NFC, you know, while, yeah, the NFC East, you know, is a dumpster fire of a division, you can say. I mean, it's the the rest of the playoff seating is tough. I mean, mm-hmm. eight and eight's probably going to get you in, but a lot of teams have second half stretches that are pretty tough outside of Washington, who was just gifted, you know, yeah. a pretty easy road to week 17. But I mean, the rest of the, the conference, you know, a lot of these games, a lot of these slates that they have coming up um, are tough games. You know, I mean, the Seahawks still got to play the Niners again, you know, and and the Bears still got Green Bay again. So a lot of these teams have difficult games and difficult matchups against divisional opponents that it's like, you know, who will get into the uh, playoffs? You yeah. know, who's going to, yeah. you know, who can finish 8-8 eight and eight and sneak in, you know? Well, that's going to be the storyline moving forward. But for the Rams, it was a huge win. For the Cardinals, they really got to start putting some wins together. Not yeah. Like I said, not to hit the panic button, but in a very stacked NFC, they need to stand out. And if Murray's going to be held one-dimensional, they better make some moves quick. So we'll have to wait and see what happens. But not everybody can be Aaron Rodgers. This is true. And my lock, which Philly fan, where do we begin? Uh, well, why don't I give you the stats? Uh, Green Bay won by the final score of 30-16. to Aaron Rodgers, uh, 25 of 34 for 295 yards passing. Three touchdowns, zero interceptions. Uh, Jalen Hurts, 5 of 12 for 109 yards passing. One touchdown, one interception. Also, Carson Wentz, 6 of 15 for 75 yards pass. 79, excuse me, yards passing. Zero touchdowns, zero interceptions. Uh, Shadon got sacked four times. Coach. Dude, I, I don't even know. What I mean, this team prior to that Nick Foles, you know, and that injury that Carson once had, because I mean, let's face it, they were they were rolling, yeah, up until Carson once got hurt, and then when once got hurt, they were like, 
oh, shit, here we go. Nick Foles, our starting quarterback. You know, we're going to be lucky if we even, you know, can make it to the playoffs after start. I mean, they were what, like 6-1? and all, I mean, yeah. six and one. Like, they were – I mean, I remember the game against the Giants. They absolutely obliterated the Giants at the link mm-hmm. with Carson Wentz in the lineup. Um, so, what – I just – what happened? It's the fall from, you know, uh, being like – the franchise quarterback to then this injury and then all of a sudden just disintegrating to the point where, I mean, 6 of 15 for 79 yards uh-huh. against a Packer team that, you know, defensively has been a little shaky yeah. at best. I'll say even in the last 15 years, Green Bay's never been known for their past defense. Right. And they haven't been known for defense at all. No, like, let's I be mean, honest. And, yeah. You know, all right, yeah, you can toss up the, you know, he's had difficult time with, uh, you know, his his own teammates sure. getting injured. You know, Alshon sure. Jeffrey's been out. Sure. Uh, the whole entire wide, you know, uh, Goddard's been hurt. The other wide, the other tight end, uh, Ertz. God, Ertz, he's been, uh, you know, in and out of the lineup. They really haven't had a great running game, but it's like, geez, my God. Like, this guy was looking at a, a you know, a playoff, a, a MVP caliber season to now this injury to then it's just not the same. Well, yeah. to be to be fair, your Phillies never had a hasn't had a good running game since maybe Lashawn McCoy or even Brian Westbrook, you know. But word of advice: uh, if you have Carson Wentz on your team, whether it's the Philadelphia Eagles or some future team, sit him the second week of December. Uh, because according, I saw this from ESPN Stats and Info. Carson went quote Carson Wentz in the second week of December, December tenth, twenty seventeen, tore his ACL and LCL, ended the twenty seventeen season. December 9th, 2018, fractured his vertebrae, and it is 2018 season. Then, of course, this year he was benched for rookie Jalen Hurts. You, you know, and, and then you come to the question of, all right, well, they've already said Jalen Hurts. Uh, Peterson's already said that Hurts is going to be their starter. You know, supposedly it's causing some division within the team, and not everybody agrees with it. So then you get to the question, all right, what do you do with this guy? Because, mm-hmm. th- you know, this is this is going to be the hard part. Uh, if you all remember, June of 2019, he signed a four-year extension that's through 2024, $109.9 million guaranteed, mm-hmm. fourth most in the NFL. If he's not on the roster in 2021, it's going to cost the Eagles $59.2 million on their salary cap. If he's not on the roster in 2022, it's going to cost the Eagles $24.5 million on their salary cap. You have strapped yourself to this kid for till twenty twenty four, and there's nothing you can do about it. No, no, there isn't. And where did this all go wrong? All right, let's just kind of backtrack a little bit here. Twenty sixteen, he's drafted. Yep, yep. He did play most of the full season. Uh, I will play. I, yeah, I do believe so. I'm pretty sure he became the starter out of camp. Right. So one full season under his belt did very well. And then he got that bad injury the next year, correct? If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he got injured uh, 2017, second week of December. Right. And then came back in 2018. Was he ever the same? Well, that was 2017 the year of the run, or was it 2018? Uh, that was 2018. So, twenty, like I said, December 10th, 2017, tore two ligaments in his knee. Uh, and then Foles came in, and they won it in February of 2018. So, the point I'm going with this is... Since he's come into the league, he's only had, in four years, two years of solid play that he's got a chance to because of injuries. 
at least, uh, giving you his uh, career stats. So 2016, he played 16 games, uh, passed for 3,782 3, yards, 16 touchdowns, four in, 14 interceptions. 2017, he played 13 games, uh, 3,296 yards passing, 33 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. Uh, 2018, only played 11 games, 3,074 yards passing, 21 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. Uh, 2019, Played all 16 games with 4,039 yards passing, 27 touchdowns, and 7 interceptions. This year, in 12 games played, uh, 2,620 yards passing, 16 touchdowns, 15 interceptions. But this year in particular, yeah, this year, it just... He's not seeing the field. I mean, there's wide receivers. There's there's guys open. He's not finding them. There's uh, play call. You know, he's holding on the ball long in the pocket. He's getting sacked. You know, I mean, this is just a guy who who looks. You know, like you know, everybody's playing. You know, checkers or chess, and he's looking at the field like it's checkers. I well, mean, comparing it to his 2018 year, because that year he only played 11 games, and this year uh, the completions are down. That 2018 he he completed 279 passes, attempted 401. This year it's 251 to 437. The completion percentage is down. The average is down. You know, the touchdowns are down. The interceptions are up. You know, so it it's definitely looks like he's regressing a little bit. Well, where I was going with the point is. That even though he's been in the league now four years, he only looks like he's gotten about two years' experience in him. At least. Because he just looks so out of place. Now, whether it's injuries and maybe something, you know, nagging him that he doesn't want to admit, or, yeah, he, has, or he just hasn't mentally recovered from coming back. The problem with that is the sophomore year. Oh. I mean, he shouldn't, if, if you're talking about regression, it every NFL quarterback, yeah. It, the, the the fear is not that first year because it's like ho hum whatever if yeah. it happens it happens it's that second year especially for guys who come on the scene and blow up mm-hmm. you know it's always that what are they going to do in their sophomore year right. the sophomore slump like that's what everybody's right. afraid of right and that's he beat that paradox right he had a great sophomore year and then all of a sudden got hurt week eleven and he's never been right since. And that's where I that's where I was saying when I was going with the argument, like he's only got like two real years under his belt, and the other stuff, he's regressing so much. He still is making rookie mistakes and not even looking like he belongs in the league. Like I'm sorry, this is just the eye test that I'm seeing with him. Yeah. And then Philly is not doing him any favors because oh, nice, no. they should be able to see this problem. Like why am I sitting here holding the microphone and I can tell this apart, but everybody at that staff hasn't been able to figure it out. But that maybe he came in this season thinking he's something he's not because that's how it looks if he's coming out there and he's looking so lost and so bad somebody on that coaching staff has got to start working with him and i mean intently and then i don't know if it's once has just said no no i'm already fine look at what i've done this is a league of what have you done for me lately now what have you done in the past yeah i, I definitely think they got to get a receiver in there just because he he's never had a, anybody outside of like zach Ertz or something alshon like jeffries not, not He's got Jeffries, but Jeffries has disappeared Dude, too. But I mean, Je- yeah. All right, now Jeffrey, Jeffries for this uh, this game zero catches, zero yards, targeted once. Right, but I mean, come on, like he had Deshaun Jackson. Like you can't say he hasn't had wide receivers. The dude has had talent around him. He's, he's had he's had some f- talent around. No, he's had some talent around him. Yeah, I mean, the one year even when uh, they didn't when they traded Shady McCoy, yeah, they like the running back was kind of by committee. But I mean, they had the uh, fuck I, the guy's escaping me. But they had a running back. No. 
the one he went on to the Jets afterwards. He finished his career with the Jets. They had a running back. Like they had talent. They've had talent, but what they've done is they have not lived up to the talent that they should have been there. And it also, to at least um, to my eyes, it looks like there's never been a connection there. You know, and I'm not talking like a Tom Brady, Dion Branch level of connection, but there's just never appeared to have been that kind of like I, you know. I, at me, if I'm a wide receiver, I know what we want to do. I know what we got to do. I know this. I know that. There's just never appeared have been appeared to be that connection he's had with anybody. And yeah, Deshaun Jackson, Alshon Jeffrey, and all the some of the talent he's had around him. There's just never appeared to have been that like click. Like, oh, we get it. Right, and I think that that's what's really hurt him. That I mean, yeah, he's had Jeffries around him. He had Deshaun Jackson, but those guys just have not really kept that level of play up around him. That for a young quarterback. This has really hurt him, in my opinion. So yeah. that being said, they've now officially pulled the Band-Aid off. Hertz is going to be the the starting quarterback. So now you're going to be paying somebody to sit on the bench and hold a clipboard and get paid. And Yo, the Giants did it with Eli Manning. Right. <laughs> so there that. are multiple teams that did it with Matt Flynn. Yeah. But now this is like Matt Flynn squared because of how much you've invested Oof. in the guy that was your quarterback, was your ride or die, that Philly you, fans. That you let a Super Bowl MVP leave for. Exactly. Yeah. But listen, again, though, that season they were destined. You oh, know, yeah, I that, mean, yeah. regardless, I mean, they were, I think, at that point, like in the season, they were eight and two. Yeah, going into week eleven, like they were dominating. I mean, I remember them beating. Oh no, the, yeah, no, that season they were team. They, yeah, they beat yeah. the tar out of the Giants that year. Um, I, I just, I don't, I don't have the same excuse for you. I, I mean, I don't, I just don't agree with you guys on this one. I think that he's had talent around him. I think this is, uh, I, I, I put it a little bit on Peterson. And I, I think that it's Carson Wentz. I just think it's him and his lack of ability to be a, a quarterback. And for me, you know, this move to Jalen Hurts, yeah, I mean, it's going to sting the pocketbook to have a guy sit on the bench getting paid, you know, $24 million. But this is a move, I think, in the right direction because I think it's going to open the playbook up um, a little bit more because at least, it, you know, uh, Jalen Hurts is going to be playing with house money. Mm-hmm. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Like he 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 can go in and just have this not not necessarily a laissez faire attitude, but he can come in and just say, "I'm going to go and I'm just going to be me and I'm going to play ball." Yeah. You know, I mean, I th- you know Carson Wentz has got to be thinking, especially with the the uh, the you know he's not Drew Brees. No, you know with the all right, we're going to bring Tyson Hill in Drew to run plays every once in a while because we want a different look. Drew Brees is like. I don't give a shit. I'm fucking. I'm Drew Brees. Yeah. You know. Uh, same thing. Uh, in uh, who else? Oh, uh, Indianapolis when they bring in uh, Brissett. Brissett. He, you know, Phil Rivers knows that he can't throw the ball more than twenty yards, or it's going to be a lame duck. You know. Mm-hmm. So he's like, all right, do it. You know. So for Carson Wentz to have this, you know, quarterback drafted in the second round uh, or the first round, right? It was the first uh, round. Second, or second round. round. Yeah, so to have a quarterback drafted so early when you feel like you're the franchise guy to all of a sudden, you know, realize that you're not, you're, you know, you're getting yanked in and out of the lineup because they want different looks, fucks with you mentally. You know what I mean? And and I think all this stuff is piled up and I like the move. I like the move to Jalen Hurts. Well, I think it's, smart, it's oh, early. Well, I think it's late. No, it, it's definitely a smart move because let's face it, what have you got to lose? You, know, oh, you, you you've had a piss poor performance from Carson Wentz this year. Whatever the reason is, nagging injury, regression, just not seeing things as well. But like you got to do something. You know, ultimately you're still in. Let's face it, as bad as the Eagles are record wise, they're still in. They still have a shot to win the division. As wild as that is, you know. But that's the way the NFC East is this year. Oh, absolutely. And coach, I think the running back you were thinking of, Jay Ajay. Yes, I knew. And oh, and they had uh, 
the Linda White. Yeah, uh, yeah, not Linda White. They had the other uh, Legare Blunt. Yeah, Legare yes. Blunt. Yes. Yeah. So he's don't start no. this shit about him not having talent. The no, dude's been coated in talent. He's had talent, but I think for the wide receiver core, it hasn't been up to snuff. That's my argument with that. But either way, Philly has got to make some moves. <laughs> Just, I mean, Alshon Jeffries was a Pro Bowler before. Was what? Okay, yeah. listen. In 2020, is he a Pro Bowler? No. no. But when they got him in 2017, was he a Pro Bowler? They got him. The but answer did he, did is he, yes. Did he play up to yes. that level? Yeah, dude. They yes. Come on, look at the stats in 2017. Mm. Alshon Jeffries was an absolute beast. But then he started regressing after he got the Super Bowl. The dude's in his late 30s, like no, in I, his post 30s. I, I, I grant you, but we're looking at the whole body of work. Oh right? my god. All right. Well, when Stefan, when when uh, Diggs starts regressing next year because he's going to catch thirteen hundred yards this year, I want the same accountability held for Diggs as Jeffries was in from this year, from twenty seventeen to three years later. Everybody who listens to the show, mark this deal down. All right. Alshon Jeffries' best year was in twenty thirteen in his sophomore year with the Chicago Bears, where he caught eighty nine balls for one thousand four hundred and twenty one yards, seven touchdowns. The following year, he caught uh, where is it? There it is, eighty five balls, one thousand one hundred and thirty three yards uh, at ten touchdowns. His first year with the Eagles, of course, in twenty seventeen, caught fifty seven balls for seven hundred and eighty nine yards, nine touchdowns. Following year, he caught uh, sixty five passes for eight hundred 43 yards, six touchdowns. Uh, 2019, played in 10 games, caught 43 passes, 40, 490 yards, uh, four touchdowns. And now we, this year, obviously, because he's been injured, uh, only played in four games, caught two balls for, <laughs> for 15 yards and no touchdowns. That 17 season, though, it was partially with the Bears, too, right? Because uh, they got him. Doesn't, yes, doesn't they, really because they traded him at the trade deadline. Yeah. Okay. So uh, when was most of the yards? I'm going to argue that it was when we used with Philly. Well, I mean, he's got over two thousand five hundred with Chicago alone. Well, I mean, Chicago had he he had somebody next to him that was pretty pretty good back then. Yeah, I remember that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But either way, Philly is just a mess. We're all just standing here outside looking in. And for the Packers, I mean, they live and die on Aaron Rodgers. Oh yeah, Rogers. the Packers play in this game too. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> they, I mean, yeah, they're good. What right, else next? What, what else can you say? It's just yeah. Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers revenge tour. Yada yada yada. Same shit, different day. Exactly. Calling his own plays. All right, <laughs> yep. sounds good. Defense. Thank you for getting me ten points fantasy wise. Exactly. Enough said there. JVD's got to be happy with that. So shout out to him. So, Pad, why don't we take this two-minute drill and round it home? Yeah, no, got to talk about the Patriots and the absolute shellacking they put down on the Chargers. <laughs> yeah, what an offensive dominating performance Ooh. game by New England. What is Cam Newton's stats on there? Uh, offense, defense, special teams, every damn thing. No, I'm kidding. He only had 89 yards throwing. Yeah, yeah he, had, <laughs> well, he, had, well, he had 69 yards throwing. Oh, sorry, 80, 69. Yards. Oh. No, it was just dominant from all facets of the game. Just holy friggin'. Like, even I, I forget what it was at halftime. I saved it on my phone, but just... You know, you look at first uh, punt return since 2014. They had just absolutely fucking nuts. Uh, at halftime, here it is. Uh, the uh, Chargers only had 102 total yards, you know, going. You know, and then they had only in just a terrible game for the Chargers. You know, you got to figure Anthony Lynn's on his way out. I figured the game would be fuck yeah. <laughs> I mean, I figured the game would be close just because you talk about how how good you know the Chargers' defense is. They're not you know making huge noise. They're kind of quiet, but fucking hell, forty five nothing. Loved it. That was a joke game. Like I'm sorry, the Chargers. That isn't ill prepared team for this, dude. I mean, I, I mean, I benched. Listen, a guy. I've been riding Herbert. 
pretty strong since about week four when Belichick you know, the, versus rookie QBs. Well, yeah. not only just that, but I, you know, he shut Keenan Allen down. Oh I yeah, mean, he had no ability to get him the ball. We'll say uh, um, Keenan Allen went to Gilmore Island. Yeah, Jesus yeah. Christ. Right. Well, I and here's the crazy thing too is going into this game, a lot of the fantasy guys were like, you know, Gil, yes, you know, is Gilmore still elite? Yes. Is he able to shut down wide receivers? Yes. But due to volume, is guys like Keenan Allen and DeAndre Hopkins still going to get points against him? Uh-huh. Yes. No. Keenan Allen, no points. Five points total. Absolutely killed me. Um, you know, and I benched Herbert because I was like, I'm not even going to trust this because not only just was I thinking. Uh, Bill Belichick, you know, uh, against a rookie quarterback. But I was like, I just don't trust the Chargers right. in this game, even though I picked them in our little Yahoo pick them because yeah. I was blinded by the fact that, you know, I was telling Aaron about it. I, I go, I just, I love the Chargers so much. You know, Notre Dame West, I just, I get blinded by their, the cool uniforms and all the bullshit, and I fell for it again, and they burned me. You know, this was uh, Herbert's second lowest uh, passing yards for a game this season. Uh, his lowest coming against uh loss to the Miami Dolphins where he only had 187 yeah, yards Yeah, he looked passing. like a rookie again. Yeah, You know, but the Chargers had nothing going. I mean, Austin Eckler was their leading rusher, eight carries for 36 yards. Keenan Allen, their leading receiver, five catches for 48 yards. Yeah, the Chargers just absolutely had nothing, and they mailed this one in. Mm-hmm. And now Anthony Lynn is on the very, very hot seat which I, I think he's gone at the end of the season after this. I mean, I know I was saying he might be able to hang on to his job because of how hard the team was playing. No. This just completely no. changed the mind. I mean, the one sh- the one shot they had, I forget what the play was, but they had a shot of him on the sidelines where his hands are just on his head. Like, what the hell yeah. is going on? I when mean, he, that's telling. No, I agree. When he did that, I was like, okay, you're done. Yeah, I mean, it's just the Bills game alone. Like, yeah. That's just that, – I mean, I, if I was – the you know person in power in Los Angeles after that game, I would have been like, yeah, we got to go our different ways. Well, the writing was on the wall. Like, I mean, obviously the record is what the record is, but they were contending and they were hanging in there. But those decision calls he was making during the Bills game, that was enough to cause concern. And then this, I mean, to have a team come in and beat you 45 to nothing at home. Yeah. Now, granted, I know there's no crowd and whatever, but it doesn't matter. That is your team you've been preparing for, and you looked like you had not even tried playing. Right. None. So the Patriots got another W. The Chargers are thinking off season, but I know, Coach, you want to talk about a resurging team in the NFC. I'm no, I don't want to talk about the F- Washington Football Team. I nah. want to talk about the Giants. <laughs> no, I. Um, so obviously, I did not. I I figured that the Giants would be competitive just because defensively they've been playing so well. I did not see this game coming out of them. Like, um, you know, Aaron and I were kind of doing a little bit of Christmas shopping, so I was I was watching the game on my phone uh, while we were doing some of this. And uh, in particular, I caught most of the game on our drive home from Syracuse. And to, if you would have told me, you know, if I couldn't see the game and, you know, said the score was Seattle 5, the Giants nothing, I would have been like, this is a dogfight. The Giants are in this game. Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, Colt McCoy alone, you know, this team offensively – had been playing moderately well. So I, I thought that they would be able to move the ball, um, you know, against the Seattle defense, especially with the way Wayne Gallman, you know, runs the ball just so violently, man. I mean, the dude just falls forward for being, you know, not a big back either. Only 5'11", like 215, 220 pounds. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not a, you know, not like a thick running back. And he just 
plows through the middle of the hole and, and does not get scared. Um, so I, I knew that they would rely on him. You know, Alfred Morris obviously had a great game, but you know, I was obviously a little apprehensive about Jamal Adams um, and their linebacker play because that's always been the Giants' Achilles heel. And my God, this Giants defense, dude, is scary. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, if you are coming to Giants State, you know, MetLife Stadium, uh, you know, the week of the wild card, you know, and you got to come to New York in a snowy day where you're not going to be able to throw the ball a lot, you got to be worried about this Giants defense because they are going to catch you sleeping and they're going to stop you and they're going to score enough points to win games. Um, the Let's talk about the elephant in the room, the DK Metcalf uh, stiff arm that everybody was oh. hooting and hollering about. Yeah. Jesus. You know what? You got tackled. Not so great. Not really cool. You know, yeah. When Saquon slams somebody to the ground, you go on the ground. When uh, Derrick Henry puts you on the ground, you're in a body bag. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, DK Metcalf, you hopped up and you looked big, but how many yards did you gain afterwards? None. So was it really that great of a stiff arm? I'd argue no. He's got a valid point, folks. Thank you. So I just wanted to stick up for James Bradbury because that was ridiculous. Um and for Seattle, this is a bad loss. Oh yeah, this dude! You talk about a team loss. that's on tilt right now. They, I mean, they were on a roll early in the season. A couple injuries, you know, towards the later weeks of the season, and now they look like a team that are on their heels. They, I mean, from winning the division to now, you know, a potential wild card matchup against you know the Giants, depending on whatever happens in the NFC East. Mm-hmm. Um, and and. If I'm Seattle, I don't want to go back and play New York again because I think New York has their number. I mean, it took a block punt to even get Seattle to score in the first half. Well, Seattle, Seattle fans shouldn't have to worry too much. I'm looking at their record. They got the Jets on Sunday. So that's <sighs> where in where uh, at. Uh, uh, at home against the uh, okay. at home against the Jets, so that, right. th- that that's going to be a tune-up game for them. Where you know after that they play uh, Washington in Washington, and then they are that's concerned. Uh, yeah, and then they're at home against the Rams in Week 16, and then they close out the year uh, playing the 49ers. Yeah, I mean, and Washington's got me worried, guys. I went from an all-time high. I went. I mean, I. Literally, I'm texting you know my guy, my buddies that I lived with, and I'm like, the Giants are going to the NFC, the NFC Championship game. This team's the hottest team in football. This is the this is the 2012 Giants reincarnated. 0-6 to mess around, win the wild card. This time they'd obviously win the division a little bit different than that 12 team, but then just a run right to the Super Bowl. And I was all on that. And then Washington won last night, and I was at a low. I was jaw, my jaw hit the ground. I was like, "There's no way Pittsburgh's going to win this game or lose this game." I picked them to cover. My wife picked them to cover. We're like, "Let's go Pittsburgh," and then they lose, and I'm like, "Shit, shit, shit!" Like this is a scramble now. Like the Giants got a murderer's row to end the year. They got the Cowboys again. You know they've got. Uh, I'm getting it pulled up. They got uh, the Cardinals next week. They got the Browns after that. They got the Ravens after that. And then the Cowboys. I mean, shit. You read the Washington schedule. I'm nervous, guys. I went from, well, I was tooting their horn to now I'm, like, scrambling. It's not. The schedule I read was Seattle. Shit. Okay, you didn't even read Washington schedule. Pulling, See, I'm, that's how scrambled I am I'm right now. I'm pulling it up right now. I'm on complete tilt. I'm pulling it up right now. So uh, coming up this week, they are playing San Francisco uh, in where are they playing? Arizona. Arizona. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, and then they're playing Seattle at home. Uh, week 16, they're playing Carolina at home, and then they close out the year in Philly. 
The only thing that makes me feel better is the Giants had to win three of these next five games, right? And they got a bonus one, and I chalked the Seattle game as a loss, mm-hmm. but they won. So now we got a game in the bag. You know what I mean? Like, that's an extra game of a win. It's not all around a thought from the make a run. I mean, obviously, no, it is, is right it, now. It's awful. Washington needed, but, but Washington needed to lose. But here's the thing, though: if you can contend with Seattle at home, you take it as a feather in your cap. Oh, for sure. And, and, I mean, and, and that's yes. what I say. So I think they can definitely go out west, do what they need to. I think they can definitely hang with anybody right now. I think Washington really stepped up for the game because I almost think that Pittsburgh took them too lightly. Yeah, I think yeah, I think the, the the Pittsburgh stuff getting moved around, you know, playing Thursday, they're out of their element, the schedule's all messed up. You know, yeah, they were playing at home, but like Pittsburgh I mean, Washington came off of like seventeen days rest it felt like yeah. compared to Pittsburgh playing on Thursday then to Monday, you know? Sure yes. doesn't matter, they're professionals. Sure, <laughs> sure, sure. I mean, no, I get it. Like I'm not actually I'm you know, being a little facetious here, yeah. but no, I mean you gotta think like you're you're accustomed to your schedule practice wise. Yeah. You know, I mean, all right, you play Sunday, you're off Sunday to you know, the next Sunday, but your game you know, your preparation starts Monday with film, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and instead it was you played Sunday, you were getting ready for Pittsburgh all week, mm-hmm. you know, to then uh, to play Thursday, to ultimately have that game get cancelled. And then pushed, delayed, pushed, delayed, and then rescheduled ultimately, and then played the following week that counted for the week before. It was fucking. It was just madness. It was madness, and Washington took advantage of it. I mean, that was the thing. But give yeah. give credit to them. They hung in there. They punched Pittsburgh in the mouth, which I think Pittsburgh honestly did take them too lightly. Well, yeah, I gotta appreciate what Mike Tomlin said about you know the Steelers receivers having drop woes. Quote: They can catch the ball or get replaced by guys who will. <laughs> Close well, you, quote. You know Tomlin was going to address it, and Tomlin will definitely have him fired up for next week, which unfortunately I got to go face, which that will be the true test for Buffalo, mm-hmm. which I'm excited to see because I thought this game against the 49ers there was one of the most ugly first quarters I've ever seen in football. Sure. It was hard-hitting as all blazes, but two goal-line stops by both teams. Right, which were – Dude, that the that goal-line stretch by the Niners play-calling-wise. Yeah. Mostert left. Moser right, Moser left, Moser right, and I'm like the whole. You know, obviously, you and I are playing each other in our fantasy league. Yeah, and I've got Ayuk and Debo Samuel, and Debo Samuel's known for you know running the ball or those quick you know the play action in the flat type routes. So I'm sitting here like play action, no nope. yeah. play action, nope. All right, this has got you know, I'm Aaron, this has got to be play action. Debo Samuel time. Here we go. Motion. They run the handoff, and I'm like, oh, it's it. That's the play. Handoff again. And then I'm like, all right, fourth down. You got to fucking throw it now. You can't run it again. Yeah. No, they ran it again. I'm like, what the hell? It, it was mind-boggling to watch. And then Zach Moss fumbling, coming out of the gate, too. Yeah, like, I, I, Zach Moss didn't play and wasn't heard from again. Was he even in the stadium after that? He had one more carry, and then they sat him the entire game. <laughs> I loved it. Which I was like, if you fumble that badly, it's going to happen. Sure, sure. And, and I loved it, though, for me, for selfish reasons. Yeah. I mean, literally, I was watching you know, the game up until like midway through the third when I went to bed, and I'm like, uh, Zach Moss, I called him over the PA system. I don't know if you actually heard that during the <laughs> broadcast, but I said, Zach Moss, if you are still in the building, please raise your hand. I didn't see him raise his hand, yeah, so I, they uh, must have sent him home. 
I they bailed out on him. I know Singletary had sixty one yards, so I mean I'll take it as a plus. But the true t- the true MVP of this game though, Cole Beasley. We'll say sure. Shout out Cole Beasley, funniest touchdown celebration of the year. Oh my god, the rock and the baby asleep. Yeah, he did say uh, about that. Uh, it was uh, the 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 lineman's idea. Uh, he said he was told if if I found, if you find the end zone, the, uh, can I rock you to sleep? And Beasley's like, yeah, you can. Yeah. <laughs> But I will say this, though. For Buffalo, they played a better third quarter than they normally have done. Shocking. I know, which was like, wow, who's actually calling plays on defense? They were slowing up the run, but I was very shocked, and and Coach, you kind of touched upon what I was going to go with. The play calling by the San Francisco offense all game was was egregious. There was that pitch to um, one of the running backs, it wasn't Mosert, that got like a 15-yard loss. Oh, uh, Coleman. Coleman. Tevin Coleman. Yeah. Uh, they had Ayuk dra- they had Ayuk dra- try to block the defensive end. Yeah. And he literally, and they were like, you'll see that play again, but you'll know Debo Samuel will be the one blocking him. And it's like, no, that play shouldn't be ran. Like, yeah, you, should you, not. Shouldn't, you shouldn't run a pitch where you're relying on the r- a wide receiver to kick out a defensive end. That's yeah. just dumb. No, and that's the Niners season in a nutshell, in all honesty. You have the talent, and I know you've had injuries. I get that. I mean, two of their biggest paying contracts were up in the press box. Yeah. Yeah. But it is what it is with it. Nick Mullins came in. He played good. Hey, he's played well. I mean, they beat the Rams last week, so that just goes to show that they're still a comparable football team. That's why I picked them. Yeah, but this this game, though, the play calling was a great. That's what shot him in the foot. Yeah, Yeah. but, you know, as a Bills fan, I will take that. Obviously, we got the big one on Sunday night against Pittsburgh, so we'll get ready for that. So much more football we could talk about, but definitely we want to get you involved in that conversation. So hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. What was your thoughts about the week of football that was week 13? we got to have that conversation. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Greetings, henchmen and loyal subjects. I am Evan the Great. And I'm JVD. We're your hosts of the Fictional Battle Podcast, Crossover Collision, brought to you by the Villains Demand. If you love hearing in-depth breakdowns of your favorite characters and what they are capable of doing while fighting in random battlegrounds against other fan favorites, then this is the podcast for you. New episodes drop every Friday wherever you listen to your favorite podcast or over on thebuildsman.com. Hi, this is Tyler from Second Suitor, and you're listening to the ODPH Podcast. I want you to get it. I want you to understand. I'm doing the best I can, but not as good as I want to be. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. And time to talk a little wrestling and run the ropes. Wrestling! Now, this past week was WWE NXT TakeOver War Games on the WWE Network. It was me, Damien. It was me all along. Oh, we're going to get into that. So we definitely want to recap what was arguably one of the best NXT takeovers they've had in a while now. Minus that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like I said, we're going to deep dive into everything that was War Games takeover. So, Pad, why don't you kick us off? Yeah, so to start off, things started off hot. They started off with the women's War Game match where you had Team Candice LeRae, which was Candice LeRae, Dakota Kai, Raquel Gonzalez, and Tony Storm defeat Team Shotzi Blackheart, which was, of course, Shotzi, Ember Moon, Io Shirai, and Rhea Ripley. Coach, your thoughts on this? Uh, I did not. I I actually forgot that the show was on because I was 
coming oh. off of my Giants victory celebration and getting Fair my enough. kids home from my aunt's house. Fair enough. However, I did see the dive off the top in the garbage uh, can, garbage can was which incredible. was nuts. That was incredible. Nuts. Yeah. Pad, that was probably the lone highlight for me for the for this match. I mean, the match wasn't bad, but I, I, I just felt the entire time that it was building to something more, and I never got that. I mean, I know Indy Hartwell showed up and, and helped, you know, Team Candice LeRae win, you know, but it just the entire time it felt like it was building to something happening. And, and I don't know if it was like a, a spot or a move or somebody showing up and making an appearance. But it's just the entire time I felt I was getting built up for something, and then it just never happened. So the match was okay. It was a good start. Just felt like it could have been a little bit better. See, for me, I thought it was built very well, but I do agree with you. They were building like EO was going to do something crazy because, I mean, obviously how they do is they have two members start for each team in the ring, and then every five minutes they release somebody. Yeah, let's just – can we jump on that real quick? Sure. How fucking dumb of a concept is that? That's well. That's, like, it's just – like. I'm sitting here and I'm like watching the men's match because I did catch that. And you're like, isn't the point of the match to win the match? And you're just watching one guy go in, then the next guy, and then the team that has the advantage has two guys come in. And like, shouldn't they be trying to win the match? Like, shouldn't the the one guy be trying to es- like escape or not get pinned or something? Like, do we why then? Everybody should just be released. I mean, the match, according to the rules, can't start until everybody's in the ring. And then, right. I, and then I think they brought up in the men's war game match, because at one point, and we'll get to this when we talk about it, McAfee tried to escape from the ring during the men's war game match, but he, he would have forfeited. Yeah. If he would have left the ring and, and hopped right. out, they would have forfeited. It just makes it so, like, it should be, like, an elimination style. Like, it just, it, it, it almost defies logic to have to build this, giant long you know uh, uh uh story to then have the crescendo see to me though if you do the elimination style it feels too much like an elimination chamber or any of the other matches. well this was created in the 80s right. so that, this right. would have been right but I, I like it in the fact that if you know war games it feels like a war it war feels, games <laughs> thank you I, we, we gotta get that sound clipped yes you know it fe- it feels like a war where they're going back and forth and it's really just who comes out on top yeah but in war everybody's fighting at the same time yeah it's one. It, <laughs> just, no, no, but I, it's just a little pet peeve that I had watching the men's match. I'm just sitting here and I'm like, unless you're Lord of the Rings, you're waiting for Rohan to show up. Why? Yeah. Why? Just somebody eliminate. Like, just finish it. You know, like. Well, I mean, you touched upon the concept. It's it was a 1980s idea that sure. still is is lingering around, but it's the nostalgia factor. Dusty. Sure. Yes. Rest in peace. So obviously, this was what we were expecting, and like we were touched upon, they were building up for something big. I thought Yo should have done the moonsault from with the garbage can on. I know Damn. that would be definitely crazy. So dangerous. Yeah, it would have yeah. been. Especially but, since you can't see where you're landing. Yeah, I, I know, I mean, but that's why I was like, if she does that, I'm gonna go buy a t-shirt on a shop. So I'm like, I don't care. Yeah, no, I like I just felt like, especially when Indy Hartwell came out came out and like they kept denying EO from getting in the in the cages, in the rings, you know. I just felt like at some point they were building like maybe like a Charlotte showing up or just some somebody showing up that it just never got it. No, we didn't get it, but we definitely got a brutal match. And like I said, Rhea Ripley was absolutely killing Dakota Kai at one point. Holy shit! With with the kendo sticks and and whatever else, I forgot. Like they had so many weapons. Oh my involved. god! They they practically emptied the underneath the ring. Yeah, like it was absolutely crazy. But the but they that, didn't get to what came later. That's true. No, no, they definitely did not. <laughs> which we'll we will touch upon in just a sec. But 
This match, though, I thought was kind of interesting that they had Raquel Gonzalez uh, do the Mike Awesome powerbomb yeah. okay. onto the ladder. Uh, yeah. It was not the breakable one. No. Oh, ouch. So no, this, it was not. No, so EO definitely oh. – uh, they set up something for the future there, in my opinion. So yeah. uh, overall, like I said, it was a great start to the match. Yeah. I really liked it, but I also am a big Ray Ripley fan, so to see her just go completely crazy in there was, oh my God, yeah. was awesome. So yeah. Uh, after that, you had Tommaso Ciampa taking on Timothy Thatcher in an ow holy shit match. Okay, yes. <laughs> not really, but those two going up against each other, damn. Uh, Tommaso Ciampa emerged victorious uh, via pinfall, defeating Timothy Thatcher. So this match, which Ow. we said on the stream because we were doing the live reaction on twitch.tv slash 6 podcast. Sure. Thatcher looked like he busted open his eardrum. Uh-huh. Well, I mean, when you have, bleeding. you know, cauliflower ears, yeah. those things just tend to pop. Yeah, so. because this match was everything I thought it was going to be, and I needed a mouth guard to watch it because uh, my teeth hurt. Uh, sure. Because these two were going out there and absolutely beating the shit out of each other. They, they, were, they were working each other. Like, there was probably an agreement put in place between the two. Like, All right, let's go out and just work stiff. Okay. Yeah, and, and, like, I even realized, like, the ending had happened. I was just, like, in that much amazement. They were just do, being that violent with each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, the the finishes, you know, I just, I don't know. I Like, I like Thatcher. I feel like they could really be doing something with him. So, in a, I mean, I feel like this, what, is second, third loss again on a pay-per-view? Second Some, one. Second one on a takeover. Yeah. Like, I feel like he should be... Up there, you know, uh, you know, either chasing the uh, U- the U.S. title or you know the the NXT title, you know, yeah. something, yeah. Or what I'm even thinking is he might be going over NXT UK. Ooh, that's good big. because okay. now that they're back up and running, could so be. I so I think right now he's in a little bit of flux because I think with everything going on, they're not sure exactly who's going to go where and do what. Because sure. obviously on NXT we've had some of the members of NXT UK come over like last week was grizzled young veterans, right? So. It's not out of the realm of thought to think that maybe he might wind up over there, so they want to put him in a big storyline here. But I don't think this match hurt him at all. In no. fact, I think this is going to get ran back, and I'm going to be very scared. With no, you guys. I mean, I know it's like in 2020, like the quote-unquote hurt guys is difficult. It's just, I don't know. I just I, I would like him to be that that just brutal heel that just yeah. like always beats the shit out of the faces. You know what I mean? It still could happen. But yeah. like I said, I think they're just holding off right now because of storyline. Sure. Yeah. But next up, though, was a real f- wild match for yeah. storyline. Yeah, you had Dexter Loomis taking on Cameron Grimes in a strap match where Dexter Loomis uh, defeated Cameron Grimes by submission. This match was fun NXT style. Dexter Loomis creeps the shit out of me. But Dexter Loomis is... And I don't mean that in a bad way. He's fucking creepy. Yeah, he won me over. Yeah, I I actually, from the uh, the Halloween special... Dexter Loomis kind of grew on me, and I was like, "This, guy, all right, this is weird as shit, but I'm, I'm here for it." Yeah, yeah. no, like I get the appeal, and, and I'm definitely all for it, but just deadpan stare. Yeah, especially when he's it's, looking at, he's looking at the camera, and I'm like, "All right, stop looking at me." You know what's gonna be weird is if he ever gets called at the main roster and they put him in a program with Bray. Oh, that won't. That first off, he is not. That is not. That that character is not main no. main TV. No appeal at all. <laughs> yeah, no. I'm just saying. If they want to do a quick shot in the arm or something for yeah. for like a Survivor Series, can you just imagine the promos? Yeah, oh, that'd be, oh, that'd be something. Yeah, like they'd be absolutely crazy. But this one, like, I was a little bummed out. Cameron Grimes didn't win because I think he's done enough. He's got to start getting over. But yeah. but their chemistry they have with each other, oh is yeah, great. So yeah. I wasn't mad about this. No, we also did have a couple of vignettes from uh, Finn Balor returning yep. on Wednesday to yep. address the NXT universe. Didn't and he already address the universe? But How he, many times are we going to well, address he, the he addressed the universe, but he was interrupted by uh, Pat McAfee and crew. Who does he think he is? Just holding, you know. Uh, he's the prince. You know, well, he's not the governor. 
No, this is true. <laughs> this is true. But he's he definitely is going to be back on Wednesday, which I mean I'll touch upon as soon as we get done recapping the card okay. of why why I think they put him on. We also had a carrying cross vignette TikTok. Sure. Yeah. So. So I mean, so, he thinks that's going to be his uh, Ballard's. Well, I mean, component. that's what. When was he hurt? That was uh, June. June. Yeah. So, so he's he's about, due back. About due back. He's yeah. due back. And if you've seen the videos online, I believe from his girlfriend Scarlett Bordeaux, he's already lifting a crazy amount. I would, yeah, yeah, dude. I would hold off till that Mania takeover, or even the Rumble takeover. Well, have him, have him back then. Well, you know what? I like I said when we get done with the card, I'll explain why I think they're doing okay. that. Okay, all right, all right. Uh, oh, I'm excited for the tease. Up next, you had uh, the NXT North American Championship being defended uh, between champion Leon Ruff, Damian Priest, and Johnny Gargano, where Johnny Gargano defeated uh, both of the latter two members to become your and new and your first ever three time North American uh, NXT champion with a little bit of help. Dumb. Yeah, yeah. I I love the match, but the yeah. ghost face. Dark Order, yeah, I can do without. Are you just how many more minion esque type shits do you need? You know, you got Retribution running around, you got Bray with the 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 puppets. You now you got Ghostface, you know, Scream Mask running around. Like, I mean, if this was a cross promotion with Scream Four, oh, that'd be this great. would be brilliant. Never or Scream never, Five, never say never. But sure, yeah, that'd be great. But I mean, just randomly having them appear. Well, we do know who one Ghostface is. Sure, yeah. Austin Theory. Yeah, which yeah. I don't. I don't think it, that you know. I don't think they're using the Ghostface thing. Going to be using the Ghostface thing going forward. I think that was no. just a, that was just a means to an end. I really, like you said, I really wish they could have done a crossover and brought in some of the actors and actresses for that because that would have been amazing. Well, hey, I know a guy. Yeah, this is true. Never, yeah. never say never. But you know, it, it was an interesting way to kind of, I guess, unite. You Gar- can't kill him either. This is true. This is very true. You know, it was an interesting way to bring together Gargano and Austin Theory and have them pair together. You know, it, it was cool though. It was cool. Like I loved this match, and I thought the chemistry that they all three of them had was great. Yeah, I thought Damian Priest doing the Razor's Edge with Leon Ruff through the barricades oh. and seeing two walls knock. Oh. Sure, oh, Jesus. I I guess I don't know the Austin Theory thing. I just don't understand. I mean, how many like dudes is he just gonna get fucking? Hoisted on or foisted, as uh, Larry David would say. Well, you know what? Because that's what just keeps happening. I think the problem with him is he was a Paul Heyman guy, and Heyman, sure, and Heyman knew what he wanted to do with him. And then obviously they haven't put him on SmackDown for whatever reason. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. So now he's lost in the shuffle, and now they don't know what to do with him. So he's kind of getting bounced around for you know whoever needs somebody in, in their corner. I think him in NXT is the right move. I yes. think him, mm-hmm. in, him in a mm-hmm. Raw or SmackDown is not. No. He's not ready yet, even though he had a great run in, with Evolve. But he needs more time, and so maybe pairing with Gargano will do something. You know what would be good? Him with AJ Styles. Mm. Well, yeah, if AJ is going to be doing any kind of faction, that would uh-huh. be perfect. Yeah. I'd be all right with that. I, I just To me, like now Candice has her little posse and, uh, you know, or, and the Dakota Kai thing, and now – you know, he's got this thing, so it's going to be like, is this going to be like a, you know, a mom and dad story with their two younglings, you know, that they're training and stuff? Like, I don't know. I just, it's uh, it, I want to give it some time to play out, but sure. I, yeah. I agree with yeah. you. Yeah. Your, your patience is far exceeding mine. Yes. So we'll just have to wait and see. But overall, in-ring work was spot on. Like, this could have been match of the night. Except for the main event. Yeah. So the main event, of course, was the men's uh, War Games match where you had Team Undisputed Era and Adam Cole, baby, uh, taking on Bobby Fish, Kyle O'Reilly, and Roger Strong. And then you had the team assembled by Pat McAfee. Uh, in Pat McAfee, Pete Dunn, Danny Burch, and Oni Larkin, where Undisputed Era emerged victorious. So, Coach, you did catch this match. I did. I did. Your uh, thoughts? Yeah, I thought this was a very good uh very solid war games match. Yeah. 
McAfee didn't take away from it, which I didn't think he would. And, I mean, I saw CM Punk po- post something on Twitter where he was like, you know, yeah. a lot of guys are mad backstage because McAfee, you know, isn't given, you know, his, you know, the little bullet points to hit. But it's like when he cuts a promo like that, there's a reason why, boys. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I'm paraphrasing, but, like, you know, his in-ring work backs it up too. I mean, he is willing to go there and didn't take anything away from this match, which in a match where it's, you know, a quote-unquote spot fest mm-hmm. where, you know, they're going to be setting stuff up and they're going to be doing all that, you know, this is an opportunity for a guy like him to kind of phone it in and, and hang back, and he was in the thick of shit. And good for him for it. Yeah. That Adam Cole chair bump, though, yikes. Yo. Yeah. Yikes. The yeah. only thing worse was the Ember Moon coming off of the Totally Eclipse on Dakota Kai on the chair. Sure. Which that looked... Well, I, wasn't, or wasn't that Candace? No, no. That was, I, I believe that that was on Dakota. I was like, oh, okay. But either either way, Ember hit that move and it was out of control. But the Adam Cole one? Yeah. Dude, he took that uh, bruiser fuck finish, that spin, straight on the corner of the chair. I was like... I I screamed like yeah. it wasn't even just a like a <gasps> it wasn't a gasp it was a, oh my god he just broke his rib cage yeah see it's funny because for me you you for what you said about Pat I feel at least a little bit differently just because he had some good moments and he shined a little bit but there and maybe it was just because that's when I noticed it it felt like there was more times that he was just staying the fuck out of the way out of for all the other guys you know the Birches the Lorkins the Duns and the undisputed guys where it felt to me like there was a lot of time where he's standing off in the corner so he doesn't get in the way of a spot. Or he's standing in between the two rings so that he doesn't get involved. Well, you have to also think about it like this. He's had one match to his belt. Right. He's now in a very dangerous match if he does not know what he's doing. Right. So I think they played it very smart by keeping him away. Albeit, though, that senton he did from the top of the cage... Uh, it looked like everybody moved out of the way. Yeah, no, they did not catch him. Yeah, they did they, not. Th- I noticed that they didn't even have to show a replay. I yeah. caught that on the live shot. I was like, oh, shit, they did not catch him. Yeah, he hit square down. And he did all right in everything else, though. I did have one major issue with him, though, in this one. Okay. All right. When Cole hit him with the Panama Sunrise, yes. he kicked out. Yeah. That, yeah. I was like, yeah. okay, that move is now shot. Yeah. Because oh, oh, yeah. oh, okay. Yeah, that was when he, when he kicked out. Sure, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. That that yeah. was my, my one issue because I'm like, okay, he's not a full-time wrestler. It's his second ever match. It's his second ever match. It's like Christ carrying cross and all these other guys have kicked out of it. Right, but they're established. You're not, not, not kicked out of it, I should say. Right, but they're established wrestlers. And I'm saying for a guy that has only had one under his belt to kick out of that, I was like, all right, that yeah. move is done as a finisher. I yeah. mean, I think the, the story at the time of the match with him kicking out was when you saw Cole's reaction, the shock, the, 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 Oh my God. You know, it was almost as if to say, you know, to have Cole pull the, what do I have to do to put this guy away? I'm going to have to go there. Yeah. Type moment. You know, I think maybe that's what they were trying to go for. Cause it didn't, when it, when it happened at the time, I did not have the same reaction. I was just like, shit all right where we go from here you know like so that was my i didn't gauge it with the that urgency like you did which does make sense now looking back you know if i watched it again with that perspective i might be like oh that's true because the finish was a little lame duck afterwards yeah yeah with uh 
O'Reilly coming off with a flying knee on uh, the chair and Oni Lurkin's face. Yeah. yeah. Which looked brutal as shit. Sure, yeah. and it did. But again, like it, McAfee should have been the one to take the L out of all these guys to begin with. Right. And for it to not be, you know, the Panama Sunrise to the kick out to the, all right, what do I need to do to put this guy away? I'm going to have to fucking hurt him to finish him. Like, I'm going to go. Th- like, they're wearing the suits. They're doing the Reservoir Dog style stuff. Like, I'm going to have to hurt this man. Like, that should have been the next move. Put him in the thing. Do the stomp on the chair. The the uh, Christian Edge style thing. Yeah, do the concerto. Yeah, do the, Well, not even concerto. Who was the wrestler that for a while was doing the, putting the, the arms in the legs and then stomping oh. on the chair and breaks in arms? Like somebody was doing that. Like that's what I'm thinking needed to be done. Yeah, yeah, I know who you're talking about. Too. Or like maybe even him. have him set up with the chair around the throat and super kick it, you know, and have the chair spike him in the throat. Because yeah. I mean, again, I just the escalation of violence should have been the response. Oh, it should have been. And then that's why I said that was my only like drawback for the match. But I thought it was great. Otherwise, is brutal and everything it needed to be. Yeah. And your undisputed era one. I will say. That I do appreciate Pat McAfee selling the injuries for the <laughs> War Games day, on, yeah. on his show. He's been wearing the neck brace. Well, yeah. that's why the super kick to the throat would have been Perfect. real sick. Yeah, especially oh man, you know I got difficult. You know if he would have been pulling that, like I can't talk. Yeah, but I have a feeling now he's going to be back. Oh hell yeah, yeah could but, be. Like, but like now it's not done. So the fact he was still on character Again, i don't have the problem with him because i feel like he there's a commitment level mm-hmm. yeah no I, I will give you this i'm not the biggest fan of him personally okay, like sure. uh, like his his whole shtick I'm, I'm not the, but I'm not like hating on it. It's yeah, just, I'm not a big fan. Of it. Okay, I've said this before. Well, it's the same thing that again, like we said, like I said last week with Amel, these guys who commit themselves for these celebrity one-offs. Mm-hmm. For them to then dive in head first and really commit themselves to this, whatever they want to do, I respect because the credibility and the, well, not the credibility, but the eyes that it brings to the sport are worth the you know that bullshit that you get from that audience. You yeah, know? yeah, no, I get you. Shaq showing up on AEW does nothing for me to push the needle because what is that going to lead to? Nothing. Pat McAfee constantly meddling in undisputed era's business. To lead to matches that lead to things down the road that get bumped for other people, that get pressed for other people. He's talking about it on a show. Yeah. You know, is Shaq going to go on NBA TV, you know, on uh, TNT the next night and talk about his appearance on AEW? Fuck no. Yeah, no. It's I not, mean, he might because it's, you know, AEW and TNT pushes right, right, AEW no, 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 yeah, But I get the point you're saying, yeah. though. No, I agree with you. And I, like I said, like McAfee, he's definitely committed to it. And that's why I, I say, like, I, I have a little more respect for him for, like, what he does in the ring because he does commit. I, right. will, I will give you that. Like, so, Amel's producing a wrestling show now. Yeah. Like, the dude loves the business. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, if you have people like that, then they're great to have in there. So, like I said, I don't have an issue seeing him come back. I just, when I saw him kick it out of there, I'm like, I think he's coming back. Yeah, there's got to like, be a story yeah, told there. There'll be a more story told down the line. And, hell, at this stage, I don't doubt him winning the North American title. At least. Maybe. maybe. As wild as that sounds. Maybe. But the card was good, but now it leads us into Wednesday. And this is why I was saying oh, with the big deal. The tease. Because this Wednesday, they have a very big AEW to go up against. They do. Because as we are recording, tonight on Impact... Kenny Omega will be on Impact Wrestling, which I know you guys are not the biggest fans of. But how is I know the, Impact's been good, Ken. Yeah, no, yeah. no. But how is the how is the reaction to 
the potential, the crossover now that you're having with AEW and Impact? Nothing. I no. first off, it was already recorded yeah. on Sunday, so it's not even like he's going to be at the Impact Zone. So snooze fest. The story already came out that Don Callis's contract is up with Impact at the end of this year. That he's going to AEW. Snooze fest. Doc Gallows and and you know machine gun you know and yeah and, Gallows and, and, or Gallows and Gallows Anderson. and Anderson doing a crossover. Yeah, all right. Who are they going to wrestle in the tag team division? That's worth a damn right now in AEW. That that will interest me. Well, Not. the only question I I have because I mean I was shocked to see that this was happening is what this will open up for potential because the one two things or the two things that happened on uh, Dynamite last week you had Kenny Omega winning the belt and then obviously taking off and setting up the storyline there. I also watched this card and I I tried to go in with an unbiased opinion, Ken, because I was I was like you know what. I do podcast. We talk this stuff. I should do my responsibility as a podcaster and watch this show, okay? Mm-hmm. Unbiased opinion. Yeah. I tried my best to watch it, and I was not impressed. I actually found myself flipping it to NXT just to see what was going on because I just the, – the Kenny Omega-Ambro uh, uh, Moxley match mm-hmm. was not great. No, it wasn't the greatest match, but I just, I just was sold on the ending of it that I thought it was something new and something fresh. Okay. And then that's oh, where was oh, oh, and Sting. E2 Brute? Yeah. Sting coming out. Petty bitch. Was, oh. Oh, I said it. I, I understand you did. I heard you. And what? And so what? So what? Listen, for as much as Meltzer talks about the, the demographic of AEW fan, my four-year-old son who loves watching wrestling and is a big WWE person because, you know, that's what we've watched in the household, is not going to give a shit that Sting shows up on AEW. He doesn't care that Moxley's on AEW. I don't, you know, so if you want to talk about getting the young demographic, what is a 16-year-old kid who's never seen a Sting match outside of WrestleMania when WWE told you the backstory, give a shit about it? Pad, tell me, because your hand's raised. No, that's that's me. I did not watch any of the Monday Night Wars. Okay. I was not aware of Sting until he showed up in, what was it, 2014, 2015 at Survivor Series, and Nostradamus freaked the fuck out, and I thought he was going to break a chair. Well, that's where I was going to go with the point that it's you not know, a big deal for the young demographic. It's the ones that were watching WCW and the Monday Night Raw. Same, but, but let me why? just say, quote, same, but different. Yeah. But yes, still same. But, but still same. But why? Because he's not going to wrestle. Oh, and I, if he does... Why? No, he shouldn't wrestle at sixty one. No, <laughs> right? He, yeah, like why? And so you're you're paying for him to show up in his face paint, point his bat, and then leave. Like the the only people who are into that and are gushing and gooing over that are the people who were already um, uh, anti WWE to begin with, mm-hmm. who now can just pull their 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 thing more over to W the AEW and say, oh, we, we've got Sting now. Yeah. That's it. That's the people that are going to be stigmatized by this. And I'm sorry that I, I ran on that, but the Sting thing hopped in my head, and I no, didn't want to not talk about it. No, I mean, You're allowed to speak on Sure. It. No, I know. Yeah. Go ahead. Do your – what's tease me. No, I mean, in regards to the whole Impact AEW thing, is it cool? Yeah, sure. You know, am I going to watch? No. You know, the, are there some matchups there that, you know, that I've seen people speculate online that, oh, that'd be cool to see? Yeah. Is it enough to make me go watch any of them? No. You know, I, I am aware of indie guys in the indies, and, and I've heard some names, and I recognize some names, but none of them are any 
big for me to go, holy shit, I got to watch. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to stick with NXT. I like NXT. I don't, I don't give a shit about the ratings. The ratings are what they are. You right. Know, the ratings, as much as the ratings matter to fans, the only people that really give a shit about the ratings are the people buying ads. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it's it's the corporations and the companies investing. But them. let's not talk about that. You know, because that. No, 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 no. Let's not talk about ad buy rate. Okay. You know, but it, so that's the only people who care about the ratings, you know. So is it cool? Yeah, sure. Is it, is it interesting to see what happens out of this? Yeah, sure. Am I going to watch? No. Well, see, I think it's interesting. No, I agree. No, I'm not, I'm not saying your your points are wrong. I'm not. I'm just saying I think it's very interesting to see in this day and age what they can do with it, if they can do. If this is just a one-off, I think this is also a result of them not being able to work with New Japan because of restrictions and everything. Well, that's going to be another factor, too, that if restrictions start getting lifted because they have been doing a little bit stuff here and there with New Japan and AEW. I am saying I'm just waiting to see how this all plays out. But just and, the- and you had a tease, and I'm very interested before I ran, took the ball and ran. So what is your tease well, that be, w- be, WWE is going to do? Because WWE is going to have Finn Balor and, and Karrion Cross come out there because I think that they did this as counter-programming to kind of set up something in motion, or you're going to have a title shot okay. on that. Because be. I think that they're going to say, okay, not that they're panicking because they don't. Right. But I think what they're going to say is, okay, AEW is coming with, Sting speaking, mm-hmm. and he's going to cut a shoot on WWE. Oh, yeah. Oh, the Seth Rollins hurt me. Which, I mean, the whole nonsense with that is they already had an article, I believe it was in Bleacher Report, that Sting was saying why he left and he was disgruntled. Yeah. So they've already given away the, the bag on that one. Then you're also going to have whatever is the fallout is going to be tonight from Impact, mm-hmm. which certain you know the internet wrestling community is going to tune in to watch. Reddit will carry out. But like, like I said, the internet's going to be turning over to watch it. So I think what NXT is going to do is say we're still going to have Fallout from War Games. Finn Balor is coming. Karrion Cross is coming. We'll either have a, a meetup or we could possibly have a match because they're going to want to do some counter programming to it. I I can tell you right now that. Whatever Sting shoot is, because all the not, I guess, ex WWE guys, because mm-hmm. you know that they're not the same. They're new, but yeah. they're same. You know, all of them when they've come in have shot their little shoe. Don't give a shit, like yeah. Sting. Sorry, you fucked up by going to TNA during your peak year that you had left instead of going to WWE, biting the bullet and wrestling Taker if that's what you really want to do. Yeah. Like if you really wanted to wrestle Taker. And you called Vince up and said, Vince, Sting here, really, you know, hey, I want to wrestle Taker. I, I know we've had our differences. Whatever. You know, like if you, you would have made that phone call. Right. Yeah. If you would have made that phone call, you telling me that Vincent Kennedy McMahon would not have seen dollar signs and said, oh, fuck yeah. Yeah, yeah you would have oh, made it happen. Yeah. He would have made it happen. Yeah. So you dropped the ball by going to TNA. You fucked up by waiting so long. And then you really screwed the pooch by coming in and being like, I, you know, I don't want to do this. I want to do that, you know, and like calling your own shots. Mm. And okay. So they put you in the program with Rollins to get him over, which good for them. Cause that's what they should have done. And then they had you lose the job out to triple H. Yeah. Yeah. Then that's what they do to WCW guys. So you should have saw it coming. Well, that's one of the things they're going to be really eyes tuning in about this. And like I say, I agree with you. Cause I mean, his whole shoot thing, I'm not super excited about because you no. know he's going to say something. But just to see how the demographic moved, as in the ratings, that was the only key thing that there was a certain demographic that tuned in. Right. I'm not. Right. No, and yeah. I get it. Like, I understand those people because they're already uh, disenfranchised with WWE. Right. So, like, any any sort of, like, 
thing that they can grasp onto the the the, the age of WCW. They're going to grasp onto because that's what people do. They they search for nostalgia and they and they hone in on it. It's just to me, it's sixty one. Um, and being that I watched the Attitude Era and right. did flip back and forth and did the Monday Night Wars, watched all the documentaries, did the whole shtick, I have zero interest in any of those guys anymore. I don't want to see them anymore. They are dinosaurs. They are uh, fading away, and just let them go. Let it go. I agree, because I think that I was. I mean, granted, I was very interested to see Sting come back out, and I was kind of like very puzzled by. I it. as soon as I saw the lights flicker, I texted you. I yeah. Knew it, first off, I knew it was coming. Hey, Meltzer, great job reporting that. If you're the Mister Insider, because you know, you dropped the ball on that one too. Because weird, you always do that with AW stuff, but same, but yeah. different. Um, but still same. But still same. But no, I just I'm I'm fi- see I'm I can't I keep jumping I'm I'm fired up about this because I just I think it's so stupid because AEW sits here and they boast about how they're different and you know Cody you and then you look at the guys who are over Cody's over the Bucks are over Omega's over weird I feel like those four guys have stake in the company oh you're yeah you bring, you bring reminds up me the, of a certain point in WCW weird yeah. same but, but different, different but, but same still. and then you now bring in a guy like sting to come in and do what you bring in arn anderson you bring in tully you bring in jake the snake you bring in all these guys and you do nothing taz. with them taz let this shit go you want to be different be different build your own stars you want to build be, them you want to be the alternative to wwe you want to give fans who aren't happy with the product wwe has been putting out for let's not just say the last year but the last five you know do that that's fine but don't turn to former wwe hands and wcw hands to build off that nostalgia factor and bring in the audience do something different don't Weird. bring in the old hands well that's Same, what, that's what we, we've always talked about too is AEW's problem is who is AEW? right AEW? well it's just it's just so goddamn i mean tnt tnt is obviously willing to fully invest in this uh vehicle of mm-hmm. wrestling, like they've already shown, they they are having during NBA broadcast talk about it. They're doing it during uh, their golf coverages. You, you know when they had the match, like they are fully committed to in in you guys being successful. Mm-hmm. Then why do you need Miro cutting promos in the middle of of his Twitch stream? Why do you need Zack Ryder showing up the minute he's eligible to to, to wrestle again? It, it, Why do you need Sting to show up during your biggest card of the night when you're supposed to be crowning your new champion and you still need Sting to come in to help get Buzz going into your main event? Well, it just goes to show, I mean, they're still finding their ways. No, I agree. Like, I'm not I'm not saying defending it. Yeah, no, I know you're not. Devil's advocating, and yeah. I can respect that. Yeah, but because... I just, it frustrates... Why do you need Shaq to come on Wednesday? You don't, but he's going. He's coming on. So, right. like, like I said, with the, where I was going with it is... AEW is really loading up this Wednesday. Sure. So, in their way. Is it going to be enough for NXT to draw out something big on their end? I mean, they did announce Finn. They did announce Karrion well, Cross. And you talk about, you know, Pat, you brought up the ratings and everything. You know, you talk about how WCW and their biggest thing was they gave away pay-per-view matches. Mm-hmm. Because they were like, the only way we can create buzz is to give away these big card, big name events to, to pull eyes away from WWE. Yeah. It's, I mean, does do you see NXT doing that? 
No, and no. that's why I say that <laughs> it'll be very interesting to watch what NXT does Wednesday. I'm not saying that they're buckling to do anything. No, I'm not, no I'm they're not, because they don't give as, a shit. And as exactly. somebody who's a religious NXT watcher, AEW has done nothing for me, even with the Sting thing. I saw the Sting thing, I'm like, oh, okay, cool. He's not going to do anything. Yeah. He's just showing up for a cup of tea, and then he's going to he's gonna show up. Three hours of paint, sh- face paint. Shock the hell out of everyone. He's going to turn around and leave. You know, they've done absolutely nothing for me to go, you know, why don't I check out what's going on? Well, it's going to be interesting to see, especially he signed a multi-year deal. That was that was the thing in the press release we got. Is he, was, is, I just wonder, is he going to bring RoboCop with him? Oh, if he only could. I guess, I, I guess we'll have to tune in Wednesday night to find out. I know we'll be doing some live I, tweeting as well. And one, one more thing. Um, somebody had brought up to uh, Uncle Dave about how uh, – Tony Khan's uh, football team's doing over in, you know, uh, the EuroLeague soccer, which, I mean, obviously I don't watch. But Melter's response back to that was, how's the XFL? Fuck you, Uncle Dave. It ain't the same thing. He is the owner of this this soccer team that's about to get kicked out of the league. Yeah, the XFL was unsuccessful, but it's nothing of Vince's fault. It happened during a pandemic. Mm-hmm. What's happened to this soccer team while Khan's been the, the uh, owner? What's going on with the Jaguars since the cons have been the owner? Not the same thing. Exactly. But different. Same. But same. But different. But different. But same. Same. Different. Lots to discuss on the wrestling end, so definitely hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH, and also join in the live streams, too, on twitch.tv slash 67podcast for some live reactions. <sighs> Coach is good. He definitely wants to talk to you on Twitter. So does Pat. <laughs> All our social media accounts can be found at OD Parlay Hour on Twitter, so definitely head on over and swing by and let us know your take on all the wrestling action. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hi, everyone. This is Mark, the DM for Stranger Damies. What is Stranger Damies, you ask? Well, we're just a bunch of first-time D&D players exploring the world of Tal'Dorei 30 years after the events of the Coma Conclave, which was made famous on Critical Role. Join us every week as we roll some dice, make some mistakes, but most importantly, we have fun. New episodes air every Wednesday at strangerdamies.podbean.com or on your favorite podcast streaming app. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at strangerdamies. And is it Wednesday yet? Hey, this is Johnny Moose from Excite Wrestling, and you're listening to the ODPH. I didn't mess it up. I thought I would. Right now, back to the guys. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Time to round the bases and take the show home. Yeah, got to talk a little bit about college football. I know normally I'd talk some baseball, but there's not much going on. Uh, so in college football, while Ohio State-Michigan is off this weekend, we'll get to that in a minute, there is still a rather huge rivalry taking place this Saturday, 3 o'clock Eastern on CBS, and that is Army versus Navy. Uh, taking place, like I said, Saturday, 3 o'clock at Mikey Stadium, uh, which if, if you're not familiar Mikey Stadium, that is the name of the stadium at the West Point Military Academy. Uh, uh, taking place at the school now. Normally, the games take place at some NFL field because you know the huge crowd and you know the entire corps of cadets and the midshipmen. You know, go to the game and they watch the game, uh, stand for the entire damn thing except for halftime, which is bonkers in and of itself. But because of the pandemic going on, the game was moved to uh, you know, West Point Military Academy. And, and side note. Uh, I'm a little bit biased. My brother did go to uh, Army. He did attend West Point. He is in the United States Army. Uh, I, I, re- I get that the Navy parents are bitching and moaning that the game's, you know, why's it got to be in Army's backyard? 
motherfuckers, that game has been in Baltimore more games than I can count, <laughs> which is in your fucking backyard. So sit down and shut the fuck up. Wow. Well, as uh, you know, a Notre Dame uh, fan, uh, if you guys didn't know, I uh, tend to always cheer for Navy because strength sure, schedule-wise, sure, sure. Notre Dame always plays Navy every year, so it's nice to have a little feather on the cap of sure. a win there. Sure. Um, but also, Pad, to piggyback here real quick, Michigan, Ohio State, as we hinted on in the beginning of the show, is canceled. Yep. And sends college football in the Big Ten into a huge flux because now Ohio State, uh, due to games being canceled earlier in the year and when the Big Ten championship game is being played, uh, only has five victories, making them ineligible technically for uh, the Big Ten championship do their own rules. So Ohio State either needs to pull a Coastal Carolina slash BYU and find an opponent this weekend, or they might not be in the college football playoffs because technically also with not having six wins, they are not bowl eligible. Yeah, that's yeah. wild. That's what we're teasing about. The Ohio State fans are yep. going to be livid right now. Yep. Oh, uh, my wife, being the resident Ohio State fan, unfortunately, uh, was very upset. I did tease her because, obviously, Michigan, Notre Dame, uh, big rivals. I said, how ironic is it that Michigan, which, by the way, Kirk Herbstreet, I want to give credit to because he actually called this out and got absolutely destroyed for it, had said, watch Michigan cancel the last two games of their year because they don't want to play. And everybody was like, how disrespectful, blah, blah, blah. Well, he was right because they did. So, um, you know, how funny is it, though, that Michigan cancels their last two games of the year and it ends up helping Notre Dame and basically killing Ohio State? Yeah. The irony. You know, the irony in that. Yep. So, yep. Um, I just I, it's very interesting. I mean, there's a the the uh, title the conference title games are coming up next week, um, so it'll be very interesting to see what they do. I really hope you know for the sake of my household that Ohio <laughs> State can find something to fit in this week. I mean, there's a lot of ACC teams that are off because it's championship weekend. I don't see why uh, somebody can't you know lend a helping hand and play a game. You know. Yeah. Now, just some real quick stats with the Army-Navy game, because there's a lot of history and tradition with this game. Uh, currently, going into this uh, meeting, Navy leads the series, 61 wins, 52 losses, and then seven ties. Uh, just some real quick facts. Uh, they've played 116 times, like I mentioned, with the first game taking place on November 29th in 1890 uh, at West Point. Uh Navy had been playing organized football since 1879 and defeated uh, the Army team 24 to nothing. Uh there only been 10 times uh, since the games have been played where they you know they have not played each other uh, on November 27th 1926 the game was held in Chicago for the formal dedication of Soldier Field in honor of American servicemen who had fought in World War one uh, this is only I believe what is it like maybe like the sixth or seventh time uh, that the yeah, so six previous times the game has been held on campus of of either academy. This is going to be the seventh time, uh, you know. And so the big thing with this is it's servicemen from the U.S. Army and then the U.S. Navy playing each other. Uh, and after the game is over, whoever lost the game sings. They go they go to that end of the field and they sing the alma mater. And then whoever won goes to their end of the field and they sing their alma mater. So the big thing is sing second. You know, Army's hoping they can do that, and so am I. Hey, it's going to be always a competitive game to watch. Yeah. So definitely stay tuned for that. Yep. Coach? And my actual pace is going to be basketball, which is my favorite sport. Uh, I'm just kidding. No. Uh, is back. Uh, training camp officially rolled out today. And not, of course, without its fair 
time of drama. Yeah. Yes. Uh, you know, LeBron James, featured on a podcast recently, uh, said that Kyrie Irving hurt his feelings Aww. by saying that, you know, the, the quote that he said about now he doesn't feel Kyrie being uh, needing to take the last shot now that he's finally with Kevin Durant. Uh, Kevin, you know, LeBron James, feelings hurt. Sad emoji. Wow. Wow. Uh, then um, also James Harden uh, <laughs> not reporting. Yeah, finally showing today, which uh, their training camp started on Saturday, uh, but he was too busy partying with the little baby. Bay Day? Bay Bay? Little ba- baby. Whoever he is. Bay Bay. Uh, yeah, um, he was partying in Vegas. Uh, Shocking. Uh, had said that he was going to report to camp on Sunday. Whoops. Uh, still was in Vegas and then uh, finally came to camp today. Allegedly, uh, rumor is uh, Houston has been in, uh, per his request, trade talks with the 76ers. Uh, the two of them are very far off. But not to stop there, James Harden did say that he'd be willing to go to any contender. Mm. So very interesting to see there. And the New York Wildcats, uh, as they're going to be dubbed pretty soon, uh, the New York Knicks, uh, the the joke being that the Knicks are now basically ran by former and or associates of the Kentucky Wildcats uh, with having five players now from Kentucky. So what you're saying is, is if they need a head coach, they can call John Calipari. Allegedly, rumor has it, they uh, yeah, that is a potential. <laughs> um, but now they have five Wildcats, which is leading to the rumors of Devin Booker, and or hmm. Carl Anthony Towns hmm. eventually uh, going to the Knicks. So, uh, obviously, Devin Booker would have to only be by trade, considering that he signed that extension, that silly, silly man. Mm. But Carl Anthony Towns, very available. So, very interesting to see uh, what that will lead to. But it will be a very fun basketball season. It kicks off December 23rd. So, I'm sure next week we will be talking – Heavy basketball? Oh, we are going full heavy basketball next heavy, week. Heavy, heavy basketball. So, so definitely stay tuned for that next week. Yeah. Because we have to talk about the Knicks greatness and resurgence. The nickel, nick, Knicker cats. Yes. Ooh. The nickel cats. Hashtag. The nickel no, cat. The No, you can't say nickel. Oh. The Knickers. Nick, 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 Knicks. Nick, Nick cats. We'll, we'll come up with something. So we, we gotta come we'll, up with something. We'll put it out to the ODPH Society. Uh, what was a good amalgam between New York Knicks and Kentucky Wildcats? It can't be the Wild Knicks. Yeah, that sounds bad. That just sounds yeah. weird. So that being said, <laughs> the Kentucky Knicks sounds great, though. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Uh, there's some UFC action going on this weekend. I know that they had another fight card last week, and honestly, it was kind of a lackluster one. Sure. Uh, so nothing really to write home about. Uh, Martin Viori. Beat, defeated Jack Hermanson, which was kind of a surprise and a decision. Uh, so a lot of movement happened in the middleweight, but like I said, nothing was really that big, and we knew that going into this week. So the main, or though this weekend, though rather I should say, was going to be the big prize that we wanted to talk about. UFC 256 is taking place on pay per view uh, via ESPN Plus or where we find to find UFC cards at, and it actually is a decent card. Um, it has some names on it, but I really just kind of want to deep dive into quick three fights. Uh, in the middleweight division, Jacare Souza is taking on Kevin Holland. Holland okay. is pulling a Donald Cerrone. I want to say this is his fifth fight this year. I will look it up. So he is always a very good highlight uh, to watch. He has done some great knockouts. I mean, I know he defeated uh, our good friend, Mr. Buckley, and earlier this year, which if you haven't seen him fight and do the knockout heard around the world, this will be Kevin Holland's fifth fight this year. Yeah, so this is going to be a tough test for him. Obviously, if Jacare goes to the ground, I don't know how Holland is going to survive, but we're going to have to find out. 
In the co-main event, though, which I thought should have main evented, but I understand why it's not, Tony Ferguson is returning after the absolute annihilation he got from Justin Gaethje to take on one Charles Oliveira. So this fight should be very interesting on a couple different levels. If Ferguson wins, he's right back in that title contention since Habib has retired and, and the belt is currently in flux of whatever the UFC wants to do with it. Charles Oliveira has put on a impressive win streak that has flown under the radar. Albeit, though, there is something that is scary about this fight, and that is Ferguson has called out if Oliveira does not make weight because it's a short-notice fight, that if he is three pounds overweight, he's not going to take this fight. So I fear... This could happen. I'm hoping not. And, in fact, I'm taking Oliveira in the upset, which I don't sleep on this kid. He's been putting in the work. He's been doing stuff a lot quietly, more so than people think. And if he gets Ferguson to the ground, it's going to be lights out. His jiu-jitsu game is no joke. Tony's got to win this one. Otherwise, it's a wrap. I'm sorry. Enough said there. And in your main event is your flyweight champion, Delvisian Figueredo taking on Brandon Moreno, the number one contender. Moreno just fought Brandon Royval, your guy coach. Okay. And it was a highly contested fight until Royval popped out his shoulder mid-fight. Uh, yeah, they talked about that on the on the card, the preview of the last Saturday night. Right. So Moreno is getting his title shot. This, I know this card has been kind of juggled around a little bit, but honestly, I don't think anybody's coming near Figueredo. Figueredo is just on a different level. I, I'm hoping the UFC can work out something to get uh, Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson back. Because, honestly, nobody in this flyweight division is really exciting me enough that I can see them being Figueredo. Figueredo is no joke. I know that he has to cut a lot of weight to get down this division, but he gets down there, he starts laying some hands. It's going to be a rough night. I think this one is going to be ended in third round TKO by Figueredo. Will I be right? Will I be wrong? Well, you just have to tune in this weekend to find out and to be determined if we're going to be doing this on twitch.tv slash 607podcast. Rich has a prior engagement, so... It is up to me if I want to do the road show or not. Oh, so maybe we'll do a fan vote and see. But uh, there's got to be a couple other factors going on with that. So definitely stay tuned to OchoDuroParleyHour.com for more information on that, and we'll definitely be posting on our social media. But before we check out of here, it's locks and leaps time. Mm-hmm. The competition is getting fierce. So let's go into week 14, Pad. Yeah, I'm going to start with my lock. Uh, I'm looking at this one. This one's easy pickings for me. Christ almighty. Talked about it for a segment. Uh, Seattle playing at home against the Jets. Currently Seattle 13.5 point favorites. The Jets are bad. They're real bad. Uh, I think the only reason they almost beat the the Raiders is because I believe they were like six. They were like six and zero going into that game against, at home uh, against the Raiders. Uh, I think Seattle's going to be able to win that one easily. Uh, and then uh, looking at the Colts and Raiders game, currently Indianapolis is a three point favorite, but I think the Raiders are going to be able to pull it out. I uh, you know what I was looking at that one too, but I didn't go with that. But I but I fully agree with you. That's going to be a closer game than people think. Mm-hmm. Coach, uh, I'm going to be on the Seattle train as well. Um, just because there's no way that you get embarrassed at home like that, being that the you know Seattle is a proud home team that plays well there. Uh, there's no way they lose back to back weeks. And I'm going to go with the Giants. I'm going to ride or die with my team. Right. This is a must win game. They are two and a half point dogs at home. This is an absolute must win. They cannot let this game go down the stretch with uh, Cleveland and Baltimore coming up next. Um, that that they cannot let this game slip up and get away from them. So they will hopefully win this game. So for my lock, I'm going against one of my cardinal rules, and I'm taking division game. Uh-oh. I don't think Jacksonville has a chance against Tennessee. Tennessee is seven and a half point favorites. Jacksonville does notoriously play them hard, though. Yeah, I know. That's what worries me. So I think I'm going to forfeit a point, but I think they'll get the win. 
because I think they're going to see a lot of Derrick Henry that day. Oh, yeah. Plus, I also was – the point spread with Seattle, it was too tempting, and I just could not take it. Like, I think the Seattle is going to win, if not uh, 20-20, man. That's all I got to say about that. But for my leap, I am with Coach. Ooh. I need to ride or die with my team. The Bills are only a .5 favorite. Or underdog, rather. Um, one and a half point favorite. Ooh. Or dog, I'm sorry. I keep saying favorite, but it's like astonishing me <laughs> that they are that close to Pittsburgh. But I will take it in Sunday night and probably the game of the week, not because I'm saying it as a Bills fan, but this is going to be a really fun one to watch. Uh, the other one I was actually eyeing was Baltimore and Cleveland because mm. Baltimore is only a point favorite. And after the shellacking they put on Cleveland, it was tempting, but I, I couldn't go that route. So definitely taking the Bills. Time to circle those wagons if they're really contenders or pretenders. And I swear to God, if Kansas City does not annihilate Miami, I will completely rip Patrick Mahomes on this show next week. I'm serious. Like I'm going to go completely bananas. Oh, boy. So for all that, you definitely have to stay tuned to OchoDuroParleyHour.com and social media for that. But where do you go to OchoDuroParleyHour.com for? You go for the music, such as the ones you hear on this show each and every week, like Brian Wolf from Fair City Fire. He's been doing a Patreon. He's been doing a lot of stuff in this pandemic era, so you definitely want to go support him. You definitely want to go check out Shout at the Robots, who also have a Patreon out. You want to go check out Second Suitor, who's dropping a music video this Friday, which will be fun. They just did a new merch store. And our good friend Tom Jolu, who's starting to do some T-shirts as well. So all those guys you can find at the music section at OchoDuroParleyHour.com. You can also head on over to the directory where you find friends of the show, organizational links supporting Black Lives Matter, and all the amazing pod groups where you're in via their pod chaser pages. So obviously, shout out to Alternate Reality Radio. Shout out to Legion Independent Podcast. Shout out to Pod Nation. Shout out to The Apocalypse, And especially shout out to JVD and Evan. Crossover Collision is going on as the pod raid this week. They are huge supporters of the show. They talk every week about the ODPH we cannot thank them enough for their support, so definitely head on over. Download as much as you can from those guys. Give them five stars all over the place. You can find the list on there as well under the Apocalypse, And you can also check out 607 Podcast and give a shout-out to our friends Rich Ron, Mike C, and hashtag Big Natty Cool still on Twitter, Pad. Oh, boy. And he has not gotten kicked off because if you heard what's behind the paywall, you would understand why there would be a little caution. So patreon.com slash 8122productions for more information on that. All of that and so much more can be found at OchoDuroParleyHour.com. That's all I got for this week. So for your coach, my coach, the coach, Coach Duffy. Big Ten, do the right thing. <laughs> for the one and only Padawan J. Go Army, sink Navy. I'm your host, Ken. I'm Patrick Mahomes. I ain't playing. You need to smoke Miami this week. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. See you next time. <laughs>